Welcome, everyone. Uh, this is the King of Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name's Sam Fain, and I am joined by Paul O'Malley. Uh, he and I have been friends for a very long time. We're here to talk about uh, the sport of professional wrestling, uh, mostly New Japan Pro Wrestling. Every once in a while, we'll get some other stuff in there as well. Uh, as this is our first episode, we wanted to take uh, a moment to fill you in on who we are, where we come from, and uh, why two guys like us are going to be talking about wrestling. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it over here to my co-host so he can give a brief introduction and then uh, I'll hop back in. Well, thank you very much. Um, basically, I'll give you just a little lowdown on my pro wrestling history. Uh, I started as a child and my first real memory of wrestling was going to see WrestleMania 3 on closed circuit television. So I watched wrestling through my childhood up through maybe about the easiest way to describe it would be by WrestleMania. It's like up to WrestleMania 8. Then I got out of wrestling because I started high school and I had other things on my mind. And then what happened was I kind of got back into wrestling in college because that was when the whole NWO thing started with WCW. And there was actually, on the college campus, there was Nitro parties. That is how big wrestling got during that time frame. So, I and like a lot of people at that time, I watched WCW then slowly transitioned over to WWE. I used to watch Nitro live and record Raw. And then eventually it kind of flip-flopped, and then I was just watching Raw. So, And then I watched up through, you know, probably WrestleMania 18. Then I got out of wrestling for years. And really what brought me back was I have a son who got into pro wrestling. And we started watching about WrestleMania 28 time, and we've watched religiously ever since. And then, you know, I kind of got into New Japan through Sam, Thank you, Sam. And um, and I just instantly got hooked. And with the New Japan streaming service, it was such an easy time to get into it that there was really no excuse. So now me and my 10-year-old son are glued to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that story. You know, it's funny. I, I don't know that I knew that you'd seen WrestleMania three on closed circuit. That's super cool. Yeah. I don't really remember the event live. I remember yeah. being there. I remember the whole like huge screen. It was, um, at the local auditorium, like the Catholic youth center, they used to call it at the time. And I, I mean, I remember they used to run house shows there when right. I was a kid. Didn't ECW so. run shows there and then they got kicked out at one point. They ran it once and got kicked out because yeah. I mean, it was a Catholic youth center. It was run by the diocese of Scranton. And you know what, what had happened is WWE had run there so many times. I think the diocese and the Bishop just thought pro wrestling. And right. when they saw the product that was put on, I'm you know, surprised they let it finish for the night. That's how bad it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I can remember, uh, so I'll go ahead and give my quick story here. Yeah. Uh, the, honestly, I have really, really early memories, um, of, of watching wrestling, um, mostly with my mom and I can remember watching WrestleMania two and I, I could have only been about four at the time. So my memories are super hazy of it. Uh, but I remember specifically, I remember the main event, the cage match with Hogan and Bundy. Um, and then after that, I, I can, I have pretty vivid memories, not watching it live, but of watching WrestleMania four on VHS. Uh, I remember when WrestleMania five, uh, hit because a friend of mine was ordering it and I wanted to stay, but I couldn't stay at his house. So I missed it. So basically I was watching a lot of WWF through, um, VHS back in the day. And the good old, the good old days of VHS tapes. Yeah, exactly. And going yeah. into like a, a rental store, not even like a blockbuster, but a mom and pops, you know, and uh, and renting tapes. Um, in fact, oh, I got it, to the. Oh, I'm sorry. And they would come out what three months after the event. 
Yeah, I mean, usually there was quite a delay. There was quite a delay on that. Um, but, uh, you know, the other thing is that they were only doing, um, you know, one or two, you know, eventually they had the big four, but in the time that I was running all those tapes, uh, generally it was just between uh, Mania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series, and then Royal Rumble came along. Um, but, you, you know, for the most of the time when I was renting those tapes, that was just, that was it. That was all I was renting. And then, of course, it'd be the, the random Coliseum home video. But it got to the point where uh, when I'd visit my grandparents, there was this place called Aardvark Video, and when I walked in with my grandparents, they knew to, you know, to tell me what the new wrestling tape was, because I was always renting wrestling tapes when I was with my grandparents. Um, uh, but eventually, I started to get out of it probably around the time of WrestleMania 10 or 11. Um, and I was only really out of it for a couple of years, though, because, uh, you know, WCW, like you said, they really kind of got me back in um, with the NWO stuff. I can remember flipping the channels one night, and I flip over to Nitro, and it had to have been pretty soon after Bash at the Beach, because I, I don't even think that Hogan was wearing, like, the NWO shirt. He was just wearing, like, the black tank top uh, and the black do-rag. Um, and, and you know, he was cutting this heel promo, and it's like, what is going on? They've completely changed everything. Well, I don't um, think people nowadays, like, fans nowadays realize, like, and with the network, they can watch it, how big Hogan, uh, Hogan's heel turn was. I mean, that was mainstream news picked up on that. And that was why, like, a lot of people jump back in because, I mean, that was amazing. That was everywhere. Well, because that's the thing. An entire generation had literally grown up with him as as a hero. And, you know, when you look at the mainstream um, media coverage of WrestleMania 1 in particular, you know, up through, like, WrestleMania 3, you know, Hogan was just, he he exploded. I mean, he hosted Saturday Night Live. He was getting, he, he was really more visible than just about, any wrestling star for the past, you know, 20, 30 years, you know, I mean, maybe Luthez, maybe Vern Gagne at one point had had a little bit, you know, oh, more, he, I mean, I think um, he was easily the biggest wrestling star of all time. I mean, even to this day, if you go to a lot of people, older people on the street and ask them to name a wrestler, the first name you're going to get is Hulk Hogan. Absolutely. And this is years after. So, I mean, that just goes to show what a crossover star he became. Yeah. And then and then, of course, you know, when the heel turn came, like you said, you know, it was major news and it it sparked the interest of a lot of those people that like you and I had kind of fallen out. And all of a sudden everybody was back in. Um, And and similar to what you were saying, you know, I started flipping over um, to to Raw because because of Austin. I mean, that was it It was Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was the reason why I flipped that channel. And any time he was on and what we used to do is I had a friend of mine that would watch Raw and I would watch Nitro. And if something big happened, you know, we'd call one another Uh, and it got to the point where it wasn't even something big now it got to the point where as soon as austin's music would hit he would call me and i would flip the channel um, well, i mean that's like I well how many people i'm sorry how many people called their friends too that's the old story you know when you watch the monday night war show when they gave away the results of mcfoley winning and then right i mean how many people got that news or got a call and flipped the channel yeah yeah, I, I mean, I, I know I did. I, I flipped over, and I had already kind of committed to, to, to WWF at that point, um, but I would still watch Nitro on occasion, and, and there, was, there was that time there where TNT was basically airing Nitro back-to-back, so yeah. you, you could watch Raw and then turn over to TNT and watch the replay of Nitro. You um, know how, how into WCW I got in 90, I want to say, what year did, did Goldberg lose the title, 98? It was 98 or 99. Okay. Yeah. What, I think it was 98. I went to the Great American Bash that year in Baltimore. Uh-huh. And, and I went to, I was at Starcade when he lost the title to Nash. Oh, man. I mean, we were driving. And I mean, that's like a six hour drive. Yeah. So we were, we were into it. And it wasn't that much longer after that that we really started. My, our alliances, like, you know, kind of flopped, flip flopped a little. But 
And I sure. think everybody's did. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I, I mean, and it got to the point where, yeah, everybody everybody flipped that channel and, and WWF ran away with it. And eventually, you know, they purchased WCW. And I, I had started to get into, um, even, you know, around that time, I started to get into ECW as well. Because I remember when Raven um, showed up in the audience at Nitro and they started talking about how he'd been a champion in other organizations. I was like, who is this guy? And, you know, the Internet was, was, was there. It wasn't nearly what we have today, obviously. Mm. But there, it was enough to, to point me in the right direction. And so before I knew it, I was looking up all these ECW tapes and I used to buy the wrestling magazines and everything Um, and then when I moved to Pennsylvania and this is even before I met you but as soon as I moved to Pennsylvania it's like oh I'm in ECW country and so I started to go see house shows well Um, yeah see that's where I was lucky because when ECW before it even made the change from NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling to Extreme Championship Wrestling was on TV where I lived now granted it was on at like one, one or two in the morning but I remember watching those so I was kind of getting hooked, and especially when they switched over to ECW, like Extreme Championship Wrestling. So I was watching it weekly. I mean, I've actually had the luxury. I went to not one but two events at the ECW arena with the nice. original ECW, which was great. I mean, I saw them in other venues, but to see them like, – to this day, I can't remember the matches. I can remember the people I saw, yeah. but it wasn't like anything – but it was just to be there. I mean – especially when I went to college too, when they were running at their peak, I was going to Kutztown university, which was really only about an hour and 10 hour and 20 minute drive from the ECW arena. So yeah. it wasn't like it, sometimes if you were bored and a lot, I think a lot of times they did their shows on Friday nights, we would yeah. just get out of class and say, let's go down. Cause you could get tickets. You could, if you got in line, that's awesome. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I really only went in Wilkesbury, and I went to a couple shows up in Binghamton. Oh, the Kingston Armory! Yeah, the Kingston I remember Armory. Those shows. That's right. I'll never forget the first show I went to. Uh, New Jack busted a, a record um, over uh, Bubba Ray Dudley's head, uh, and they were both bleeding at that point. And I and I reached down and snapped because the security guards were running by and taking away all the all the weapons that flew out into the crowd. Well, when they and first I, started, Sam, I'm sorry to interrupt. When they first started. When we first started going, they used to have bring your own weapons. People yeah. would bring stuff. I remember now I didn't have I didn't bring anything, but I remember a guy and I forget who it was. I want to say it was Tommy Dreamer, took an eight bit Nintendo yeah. out of the crowd and cracked it over I think it was Raven's head. Yeah, that's I mean familiar. people were giving them bowling pins and toaster ovens. It was insane. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy too because uh, AAW here in Chicago, um, they actually have done a couple of fans bring the weapons matches, and they did one not too long ago that I was at um, with uh, Paco and Connor Braxton, and there was some ridiculous stuff that, that got brought out. Nothing like that. Um, although somebody did bring a Roman Reigns uh, Superman punch like fist, I guess that WWE <laughs> markets. That was pretty hilarious. That's great. Um, yeah, but so so going back real quick that. When I was going to those ECW shows in the late 90s, early 2000s, my first stop every time I went to one of those shows was the RF video uh, tape table because I would go over and buy tapes. And that's how I got introduced to Japanese wrestling. You might want to explain what RF video is because remember, some of these people are listening. (laughs) This is the, you know, with the shoot videos and everything they did. I mean, now everything you can just look about on YouTube, but yeah. So, so RF video, um, the, the ownership aside, because the owner turned out to be a real scumbag, and that's a story Which, that you didn't can he, find on he the He ran internet, a promotion, but, too. Remember he ran XPW? He, well, he actually, believe it or not, he was one of the original owners slash promoters of Ring of Honor. 
Was he really? Yeah. And um, because that was kind of his whole thing is like, you know, he'd followed ECW around since, you know, they became Extreme Championship Wrestling, basically. And what they would do is they would tape all of the shows and then they would sell them. And at that time, you know, ECW didn't have a deal with anybody. So they were selling these videos, you know, royalty free for the most part. And in fact, even after WWF or WWE, whatever you want to call them, had acquired the ECW name and the tape library, RF Video was still able to sell some of those house show tapes because those were owned by RF Video. They weren't actually owned by ECW or Paul Heyman. Well, yeah, Um, because it would have just been the TV library, right? Exactly. So anyway, uh, RF Video, they really kind of revolutionized the way that people looked at wrestling because what they did is they were one of the first companies to shoot... um, shoot videos uh so they would they would get wrestlers to come in and and you know break kayfabe and 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 just and talk out of character and answer questions serious questions and they were doing this stuff you know in 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 the mid late 90s uh when it was basically even at that point even though the jig was kind of up it was still unheard of so they would not only do that but they would also probably illegally um take import videos from japan and they would and they would you know, basically make copies of them and sell them. Uh, and they'd put together best of. So, you know, I remember that I got into it. I bought like a, a best of Great Muda. I bought a best of the like fire death matches, a best of Onita. Um, and, and, you know, much like a lot of other people, I think I've got a similar story. That was sort of what started to expose me to Japanese wrestling um, with some of the death matches and, and, and Great Muda, of course, which was not, you know, all death matches, although we did a few. Um, and I must have like worn out that Great Muda tape because there were some matches on there that to this day and now, Luckily, you can see most of them on New Japan World um, that, that definitely still hold up. Oh, isn't the internet a beautiful, beautiful thing? Yeah, right? I mean, now the only, that's... The only thing that sticks about some of the stuff on New Japan World, well, besides the interface, and we'll get to that later, <laughs> is that a lot of that stuff from that time period, they can't put on the, on the streaming service because they don't own the rights. I guess the TV station does? Yeah, the TV station does own it. In fact, there's one very famous match between uh, Muda and Liger, um, where like Liger ends up getting his mask ripped off, and it turns out that he's painted his face and his body uh, up to basically match, you, you know, uh, Muda, and, and it gets the match gets pretty bloody, and um, it, it's a really cool match. And I don't think it's on there, unfortunately, because the TV station well, does you know, have the right ho- for that match. Which hopefully, in the future, they can at least maybe they can strike up a deal with the TV station to. You know, give them a cut and put some of this stuff on there because, like, I know for a fact, like, and you're more of a historian of New Japan than I am. Um, I'm more of a new fan, but there was matches that I've read about that when you look go to look for them on New Japan World, you can't find them. Now, some of them it's just because finding stuff on there is sometimes impossible, but a lot of times it's because it's not there. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it is too bad because there's also some of the stuff that they did with uh, uh, not that the match quality is like super high, but just for historical interest and you know I, I can imagine just curiosity. Some of the stuff that they did like when they cross promoted with WCW uh, in the early '90s is also not there, and and it's a shame because a lot of that stuff when WCW aired it, they aired it clipped. So it, you know yeah. even even when you go on the network on WWE Network, some of that stuff isn't doesn't exist in its entirety, which is too bad because yeah. again just as a curiosity, it's like oh yeah, I want to see. The road warriors well well that was the thing too one of the one of the first things my son wanted is when i explained to him that because he watches um the wwe now and he has watched some of the old stuff on the network but he wanted to see the nwo japan and when you look you can find some of it but when like when they would do the tours with nash hall and all those guys would go over a lot of that's not on the streaming service yeah 
which is yeah, unfortunate. It, but it, it is it is unfortunate because honestly, in a lot of ways, the new the the NWO and that whole idea, you know, came from New Japan, and so to be able to kind of link those two up and get that continuity would would be really cool. Um, obviously, it's never going to happen. I think through you know, through one organization or the other, just because you've got WWE, which owns all the WCW footage, and you've got New Japan, which, you know, owns some of that footage, but then again, like you said, the TV stations own some of the other stuff. The neat thing is, is that some of those matches that aired on TV aired in clipped fashion, and yet New Japan would release them on video, so some of that stuff that's on New Japan is actually stuff that, you know, might have aired on television, but in a clipped manner. Well, a lot of the stuff, too, you can find, a lot of that stuff, too, you can find that people have put it on YouTube. So, you know, not that I'm advocating for that, but... Right. Well, and there's some other great resources out there, too. And again, I'm not advocating, you know, that you use YouTube and Daily Motion or, you know, whatever, you know, other thing that you want to go to find uh, uh, this footage on. But uh, as long as you're still subscribing to New Japan World, I think that that's kind of the important thing, because it, 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 in so many ways, it's such an amazing time to be a wrestling fan. And, you, you know, going to some of those ECW shows, uh, I, I worked as an actor for a long time. I didn't have a lot of money, so I wasn't able to go to shows like that, you know, when I'd been younger but recently um, transitioned to a new job and it's like, oh, I have some disposable income. and Not, uh, not for to, long. Well, right, yeah, because there's a baby <laughs> on the way. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I started going to independent wrestling shows again uh, in the past year or so and it's been incredible to, to just, you know, to see the the groundswell of support for a lot of the indie wrestling, which has been happening for a number of years. Oh, I, it's nothing new. I um, feel you there. I can't wait. Um, for those of you, you know, obviously nobody would know. I live in Pennsylvania. Sam now lives in Chicago. So I am going out to Sam's for the all-in event. And one of the highlights of the weekend, too, is that we're going to the AAW shows on the Thursday and Friday night before. Yeah. Which is, I, I'm as excited for that as I am for the all-in. Absolutely. I mean, and AEW puts on some great shows, and and I, they, you know, they they had some shows within the past year or two that have rivaled anything that like you know PWG was doing, as far as I'm concerned. And they've had a few shows recently that I've been you know a little disappointed with, but that's you know whatever. I mean, you, you nobody can keep that up for long, unless of course you're New Japan, which sort of brings us to to the thrust of the podcast, um, because over the past you know year, I, well actually it's been longer than that now. It's crazy. It doesn't seem that long, but uh, since they started with you know the New Japan World, uh, and and even before that when they did uh, Wrestle Kingdom Nine and aired it with an English commentary, uh, it made it so much more accessible than it had ever been. And I'd been following Japanese wrestling, but mostly again from a historical perspective, I was watching a lot of all Japan stuff in the '90s that I had sort of missed, um, you know, Misawa and Kawada and Kobashi and things like that, and and then you know, started to hear enough about like Tanahashi and, and of course I'd all, I'd been a Nakamura fan for a long time. Uh, and, and then, you know, getting into Ibushi and seeing like, you know, Prince Devitt who would eventually become, um, Finn Balor and, you know, starting to kind of see the guys that they were using, uh, yeah. and AJ Styles. And, and it, it just started to feel more accessible because of that English commentary. Well, and that's true. Course... My, my entry point, I'm sorry. I keep you know, right. interrupting. No, but no. My entry point into new Japan was Wrestle Kingdom nine. And I knew nothing of, of new Japan wrestling. Yeah. But if you remember, I think it was, was a global force. Jeff yep. Jarrett put it on yeah. American pay-per-view and I bought it to see what the buzz was about. And it, I can't remember. Was it Jim Ross and Matt Stryker? I believe yeah, might've been Jim the, Ross um, and Matt Stryker. the announcing team. And uh, I had some people over that are wrestling fans, and some liked it, and some couldn't wrap their heads around it. Yeah. But um, you know, and it's it, when I go back now, because I, I haven't watched it since it aired. 
um, it's amazing to think some of the matches that I saw not knowing who the people were and how good it was. And yeah. I remember being bummed the next year because I, I remember correctly, Wrestle Kingdom 10 wasn't on American pay-per-view. Yeah, I don't think that it was. Um, it would have been, would it have been, God, would it have been 11 or 12 before they did another? 11, well, it would have been 11 because 11 was on the streaming service. Right, 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 right. Right? I don't know if they aired it on pay-per-view now. I, I, 12 was only on New Japan World, and I remember, the, like, I listened to Jericho's podcast. He was trying to push for it to also be on pay-per-view. But yeah. they, you know, and and I get it. They wanted to expand the streaming service, and I, I think if you rem- if you look it up, I don't know if it's Wrestle Kingdom eleven. When the day that came on, their subscription service, like their numbers, like tripled. Yeah, yeah and it was well, it was hey. a lot of out of market. It was like a lot of Western people were buying, were signing up just to watch it. Yeah, and I mean, hell, you know, the the truth of the matter is, is that it had. Um... You know, had one of the greatest matches of all time on the card. So, uh, you know, yeah. unbeknownst to everybody, but uh, it, it, it was definitely worth the gamble, I think, to just have it on New Japan World because in the past in the past year year and a half, I mean, the service has has absolutely exploded. And, well, and, and I've been a subscriber since day one. I actually let it lapse, believe it or not. I let it lapse right before G One last year. I didn't pay for it for like a month or two. Um, and, and I kicked myself every day cause I was sort of like, oh man, you know, I can't believe I don't have this anymore. Uh, well, I so got now. it for 11 and then I let it lapse here and there. And then like, I would pick it up for a month and then whatever. Um, once I got back full on board was like power struggle when, mm-hmm. when the, the one where Jay White came back. But the, the amazing thing about the whole thing too, is their subscriptions for Wrestle Kingdom 11 that day went up like tripled. But if you look at the numbers, like three, four days later, they ballooned again and it was all word of mouth from the Omega Okada match. Yeah. I mean, you have, I mean, not that I don't know how much faith you give into the Meltzer star rating, but I mean, it was unheard of a match getting six stars and the buzz that that created turned a lot of people onto that product after Wrestle Kingdom 11. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and I think that, you know, the amazing thing is that as, as that match of course is, is enough to buy, you know, the pay-per-view to buy the streaming service, whatever, you know, alone yeah, for $10 or $9 or whatever. I'm sorry, like eight, 999 yen. Right. But it's, but the thing that I think is even more amazing is the fact that if you watch the whole card, you're still, you know, there's so much bang for your buck there, not to make a young bucks pun, but I mean, there's just so much that you're getting for that. In addition to this, you know, six star Meltzer rating match, um, with Okada and Omega. I mean, so, Tanahashi and Naito put on yeah. an unbelievable match right before. And people don't even talk about it. It got so overshadowed. I mean, they probably had one of the best matches of the year and I don't want to say nobody remembers it, but it's like the forgotten match because of what happened right after it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, 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 you know, and Shibata and Goto had a great match too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing is like, there was just so much stuff on there that was, that was good. Um, you know, I, I think that it, it was a time for a lot of those performers to, to really shine. Uh, they were just matched up so well with other guys. I mean, Takahashi and Kushida and, you know, Rapongi Vice and the Young Bucks. And I mean, there was just so much about that card that was great. And, 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 you know, sure. You can t- say that like Cody and Juice or Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly weren't quite on the level as the rest no, of those. but those- 
those matches helped appeal to new fans, especially in the West. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people that might have been tuning in just for that Okada-Omega match or because of the buzz would get to a match with Cody versus Juice, which people knew from NXT is what was CJ Parker. Yeah. And you also had the Young Bucks. They were I don't think they were the first match. I think they were, like, the second match on the card. But, I mean, yeah. they threw them right out to get your attention, and it was it worked. Absolutely. And and I think that that's the other thing, too, that it's, it's easy it's easy to kind of ignore or, or, or dismiss because it's not um, as talked about as much because it doesn't necessarily feel as special, I think, as it once did. But there's no denying the effect that the partnership with Ring of Honor had for New Japan. I think that it, it, it did two things. One, it got the fans that, of course, went to Ring of Honor shows. Most of those fans in the early days appreciated Japanese wrestling because they were the same as me. They were going to that tape table. You know, they were getting tapes. They were eventually downloading stuff on the internet. They were doing whatever. Well, your average Ring of Honor fan is a hardcore wrestling fan. Right. And, And so I think that when they were able to partner with New Japan and get that talent in the States for the first time, it was huge. You know, all of a sudden you're getting to see guys like Nakamura and Tanahashi and Liger and people that, you know, I mean, Liger obviously been in WCW, but you're getting to see guys that you did not necessarily see very often and, and, and getting to see them, uh, you know, work with people like, you know, Kevin Steen or AJ Styles or, or, or whatever. And, and I think that that helped to, to really broaden the exposure and, yeah. uh, you know, eventually those shows were doing so well, um, that you get to the point where obviously new Japan sees the value in promoting shows well, on their I own. I agree. Here. And, I, and I'll tell you what, I mean, I think you can point to when they, the New Japan entered the partnership with Ring of Honor is when Ring of Honor surpassed Impact as the second biggest wrestling company in America. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And those War of the Worlds and, 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 and you know, uh, shows uh, and Global War shows have always done huge numbers for them um, when it comes to, you know, selling tickets and, and, and getting butts in seats and probably you know i don't know this for sure uh but probably getting the, their pay-per-view numbers or their or their you know their roh uh video on demand buys because um those shows I, I know were the only ones that i was buying for a while you know i wasn't well, let me ask you this final ballot best you, in the world or whatever speaking of the partnership i would venture to guess and i don't know if this will be true but i'm thinking that the, the upcoming the supercard show mm-hmm. is gonna be their most watched show ever Oh, yeah. It's already sold more tickets in the history of the company. Like, there's going to be more people, butts in seats, seeing that show than they have ever sold before, um, which is which I mean, is incredible. Just on the strength, I mean, and, and the amazing thing is, too, I mean, it's going to do that, it's buy rates or whatever on the strength of the main event. But if you look over that whole card, there's some, there's some phenomenal matches on there. Yeah. Yeah, you I know, know. So uh, honestly, I've not looked at it too closely because I think for me, it's, it's, it's enough to want to buy it. For Cody versus Omega, um, so so I honestly have not even looked at the whole card yet. Um, I need. To, I'm going to bring the card up. Yeah, I'm going to bring it up while you're talking. Okay, um, but yeah, I, I, so I think that you've you've gotten to this place now where obviously the exposure is is you know ten times or more than what it was a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, I think a lot of that obviously is uh, well, well. One thing that we haven't brought up is the access. Uh, TV show, and I think that for me, I'm going to admit to this right off the bat. I I don't have Access TV. Uh, I have not had Access TV, but I've seen the entirety of like the first season of that show because yeah. thanks to the internet. Um, and 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 that's you know more 
my cable company's fault than anything. Um, but that show, well, I didn't have it either because I didn't have cable. I was watching TV through the PlayStation View app, which mm-hmm. I liked, but they don't have access TV. I actually got rid of it and got cable just to watch the uh, Strong Style Evolve show live. Nice. So yeah. that's what. All right, here's the card. Um, got Jonathan Gresham versus Chucky e. T. Nice. You have the the semifinals, the two semifinal match for the Women of Honor. Yeah. Um, let's see. You have Adam Page versus Kota Ibushi. Oh man, that could be that. That could honestly be a sleeper match on that card. Punishment Martinez versus Tomohiro Ishii. Ooh, that could be that. See, that's yeah, that's a you great match K- right there too. Kenny King versus Silas Young for the ROH TV Championship. I like Silas Young. Kenny King doesn't yeah. do it for How me. How about this match? The <laughs> ROH six-man championship. SoCal Uncensored mm-hmm. versus the Young Bucks and Flip Gordon. Man, I, I have... mean... There's no denying there's talent in the ring there. I, you know, I hope Kazarian, I, I haven't heard how he's doing. I knew that he kind of injured his knee, strong style evolved. So. He's on the card, so yeah. he must be okay. At least, you know, functional. Right. Um, you have a tag team title match where the Briscoes defend against Jay Lethal and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah, I, uh, Lethal's probably eating the pin on that one. <laughs> probably, but still, you have a, the ROH World Championship match where Dalton Castle defends against Marty Skrull. Which could also be a damn good match. And then you have Cody versus Kenny. I mean, a card like that for Ring of Honor, I mean, if you look at it, how many of these matches would not be possible without the partnership? One, oh. two, three, four, five, six. Seven. Seven of the matches they wouldn't be able to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the bulk of that card is, is due to the partnership. And not only that, a lot of those matches are matches that all, they, they almost feel like New Japan match. Well, at least two of those matches, maybe even three of those matches, feel like New Japan matches, not even Ring of Honor matches. Like Cody versus Kenny, uh, Page versus Ibushi, and that six-man tag match. You know, those honestly both feel like, oh, shit, I hadn't even realized that that six-man tag match is a ladder match. Um, I didn't notice. I didn't notice that either. Yeah, uh, but anyway, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that I think that the that card uh, and being WrestleMania weekend uh, is going to be big for New Japan as well. Getting to see those guys, and there's no doubt, you know, I mean, let's face it, like you know that like Kenny and Cody specifically, they're gonna they're gonna tear that fucking house down. They're gonna do everything they can to tear that house down because sure they are. It's you know the story that has been built into that match for so long and how smart you know let's talk real quick about this how smart are those guys in the way that they have promoted themselves by not allowing any one company to necessarily dictate who they are or what their storylines are they have you know they have taken they dictate a lot of the storylines through their being the elite youtube series exactly yeah you know you know which is just it's 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 so brilliant and it and it's 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 something that you're just not going to find in a lot of places. Speaking and of which, have you watched? Uh, have you seen the newest episode? I've not actually. It's interesting. Yeah, to say the least. I won't spoil it for you or for anybody else, but I would definitely watch it before the Supercard show comes out. I will. I'll probably actually watch it later tonight. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been kind of a crazy week. I'm preparing for like a work conference and everything, so I've just been like. And the funny thing is I, I don't get them – like a lot of times they'll come out and I don't watch it right away. I yeah. get the updates and get told to watch it by my 10-year-old. He's like, oh, the news <laughs> – and, 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 like, and then I cringe because I know there's things in there he shouldn't see or hear. But you know, in this day and age, it's so hard to keep him from it anyway. That, right. You know. But it is what it is. 
Yeah, no, I hey, I'm I'm gonna be and here I, soon I, enough, right? I'll tell you what's gonna what helps the supercard show too, the supercard of honor show is under the old system of having to buy all the pay-per-views. I think it would have got, you know, there's only so much money to go around for people. But yeah. now with the, with the WWE stuff, all Mania Weekend, you're getting it all on the network. So people will have more free income to say, okay, I'll drop $25 to buy the uh, the Ring of Honor show because, yeah. they, you know, they're all geared up for wrestling this week anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I, I like I'll admit, I'm, um, I'm actually going to watch the Shimmer show, uh, Shimmer 100. Uh, on Saturday, uh, and, and one of the reasons why is because it's like you, you know just what you said. I, I've already got the network. I've you know I've already paid my money for that. You know I'm going to pay a little money for this because uh, it's it's strange throughout my entire wrestling journey, which kind of was you know the '80s kid enjoying Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior and all that shit into the '90s. Do you believe I was never a Hogan fan? Like when I was <laughs> I was a kid at the the height of Hulkamania. Yeah. And and for some reason it wasn't that I hated him like I wasn't rooting for the bad guys I just he wasn't my guy everybody yeah. I knew was Hulkamania I was a Randy Savage guy nice. nice and then and you know so it's funny well that's like like my son Liam and and you know him he'll watch wrestling and even WWE and everything he always roots for the bad guys <laughs> like his favorite wrestler of all time is CM Punk. I mean, nice. don't get me wrong. He does love Daniel Bryan, but who doesn't love Bryan? Uh, you know, Daniel Bryan. But yeah. he watches like he, he's a, he's a ten year old kid. You would think he'd be the target demographic that he would love John Cena and he hates Roman Reigns. And if they wrestle each other and you ask him who he's rooting for, he'll say injury. <laughs> he can't stand either one of them. Oh man, uh, that's classic. That's yeah. classic. Yeah. Well, I can imagine. I can see him doing that. But I mean... he, his favorite wrestler now is AJ. Nice. And I know he's nice. not a heel, but you know. Sure. Well, you know, and I think that that's another thing uh, that's worth noting, talking about somebody like AJ Styles. He would not necessarily even be in the position that he's in now had it not been for his excursion to New Japan. Oh, absolutely. Um, He didn't come in with all the fanfare and and the push from from management because of his TNA work. Now, I'm not begrudging that at all. Of course not. But him going over and doing what he did in New Japan made him a much bigger star. Yeah. You yeah, know, and I, the way New Japan used him, giving him the title right out of the shoot in his first match was was brilliant. Yeah, they yeah, instantly absolutely. made him an impact player, which was you know, well, and it's I think odd. It, it's interesting now because you know you and I have even had this conversation recently talking about like the Bullet Club, uh, and and I think that the Bullet Club, when you when you really think about the the arc uh, of, of that particular stable. So many fans these days have it ingrained in their head that it's Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. I get that, and I love them, but there's just this thing for me where it's like, no, they're they're the Bullet Club now, but for you to think of them as the Bullet Club, I think is is wrong. Because, you you know, there was a time when none of those three guys were in the Bullet Club. Um, And, 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 you know, you got to remember that when when it started off with Prince Devitt... Yeah, the core uh, four. Yeah, exactly. And and so... and, and. the fact that not only did they have did New Japan have the forethought to say we need okay we're losing we're losing the head guy we're losing uh, Prince Devitt Prince uh, you know uh, Finn Balor and and now we've got to keep this thing going because it is hot and it's the right story and they bring somebody like AJ in to be in charge of it um, mm-hmm. but again to the credit of the three guys that I just mentioned you know Matt and Nick Jackson Kenny Omega it is definitely hotter now than it was at any other time but I, mean, I think that it's, it's gotten from a point where you would turn on TV and see Bullet Club shirts everywhere 
to a point where I will drive around town in a small town yeah. like Scranton, Pennsylvania, and I will see people wearing Bullet Club merch yeah. on the streets. Yep. You know, and I haven't seen that since well the NWO and like Stone Cold era. Yeah, you know, sure. like it's it's and the thing about the Bullet Club too is the way it's presented. And let's face it, a huge part of it, and this is going to sound silly, is the design of the shirt. Yep. You know the the but it it's gotten where it's one of the few things in wrestling where it's mainstream to be it's cool. Yeah. You know, and that's why like we were talking earlier about like WCW, the NWO made wrestling cool. Yeah. And yeah. and then that went away for a long time and you know so but that's that's been the the draw of the bullet club. The craziest know? thing, you know, one, one quick thing outside of their in ring work, I don't want to, you know, belittle well, that. Right, right, that's, absolutely. That's, but... The the kind of the crazy thing about the NWO, I want to say real quick, is that it definitely made it cool, but I'll be damned if I didn't want to see them get their asses kicked. You know what I mean? Like for a while there, it was this. It was such an interesting line that they that they rode between being cool heels, but also still being able to make me want to see like you know, oh, Dallas Page kick their ass. You know, well, what I one mean? of the one of the things I loved was, and it was was when they used to have the the, the war with the horsemen that which like culminated yeah. like like the big was when they did the um, the World War Three games, the war yeah. games, and it's it's. You know, I hate saying this now, but and you know this, my favorite wrestler of all time was Chris Benoit. Yeah, and to watch him play out in that and everything. But I mean, so you're right; they they were cool, and you liked seeing them on TV. But then sometimes you just want to see them get their asses kicked. Yeah, yeah and, and they sure. were they were really good at doing it. I mean, I, I try to explain now, like they weren't a wrestling stable as much as they were a gang. I yeah, mean, some of the exactly. stuff they did was gang warfare, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's that famous, you know, and it's so great to be able to go back and just watch the whole thing play out, not just, like, the clip show that's on the documentaries or whatever. But that night that they uh, that they showed up out back, and they, you know, the, the Nash lawn-darted Mysterio <laughs> into the side of the trailer, and, you know, they beat everybody down. I mean, yeah, I mean, people incredible. that lived in that area were calling 911 because they thought it was legitimate. Yeah. Think yeah. about that for a second. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is after... The business has been exposed. Yep. So anybody with half a brain, but the way they presented it made it look real. Made it feel real, yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, too. It's like you look at an organization like WCW, which has its roots in you know Southern wrestling in particular, and, and I think that for that that region, more than a lot of other regions, it always had to feel real. Like there was always a, a you know, the wrestlers always worked a little bit harder when they were in Mid-Atlantic well, or Georgia Championship. Well, let's Florida, face it, you, know? you, you go down to the NWA territories as opposed to the WWF at the time. Uh, the WWF was more about showbiz and the characters yeah. and everything. Where and and it was funny because it's it kind of like when we were kids, it was where you grew up. You lived in the South for a while. I mean, you've, you're yeah. you're transient. You've lived all over the place. Where I'm still in the same hometown. I live in, in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm only like two hours away from New York City. We were WWE country or WWF yeah. country, I should say, through and through. I remember um, watching like the end of the. Um, the Saturday night show, the WCW Saturday night. Well, even before it was that, when it was still the NWA yeah. and um, nobody around here would watch it. I mean, people knew who Ric Flair was, but you sure. didn't get like, you know, people like Ric Flair wrestled steamboat at the clash of champions and nobody I knew was even remotely interested in it. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, if man. there was a Saturday night's main event going on with, you know, it could be a, a terrible match like Hogan versus Akeem. That was like the buzz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Akeem, oh, Akeem, the man. African Dream. Oh my God, one man game. Remember, he um, was built. He was built from the deepest, darkest part of Africa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could, you couldn't even do that now. No, no, especially because when when his gimmick was explained, apparently it was explained in such a way that that 
and this might not be a direct quote, but I think it's pretty damn close, is you're a white guy who thinks he's a black guy. Do you it's know, like, and oh I did not know God. this. And <laughs> I did not know this two years later, mm-hmm. that the whole Akeem thing was a rib on Dusty Rhodes. Oh, God. That's why he danced the way he did, and oh. he was the African dream instead of the American dream. Yeah. I, I saw a whole thing with it. It was just a rib on Dusty Rhodes. That makes sense. I know Vince uh, apparently, you know, ribbed, wanted to rib him a few times. Like they, they did, they did when they had him over and they put him in the polka dots. Uh, yeah. The, the, you know, at first. Which he we, still managed to Dustin. get over with. Yeah, exactly. But uh, if you I'd ever go back. Too, is when they gave Dustin the gold dust gimmick, that was also meant to be kind of a rib as well. And of course, you know, similarly, what does he do? Gold dust gets it over, you know. Well, yeah, I mean that just goes to show. Like when you see people, you can if you have a good worker who's committed, they can get over with the worst gimmick. Yeah. I mean, look at Triple H's initial gimmick was terrible. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and in theory, has there ever been a gimmick that shouldn't work and did as much as the Undertaker? That's I was getting ready to say that. That's so hilarious you bring that up. No, I completely. I mean, agree that's with you. a throwback to the old when they were like, you know, there was a garbage man and a plumber and yep. everything. It was it was a dead mortician. Yeah. Think about this, and, and I mean, he's a beloved character, and they can do the silliest things in the world with them now, and, like for the last ten years, and the fans just love it. Yeah, you know, I know it's crazy. I, I completely agree, and it's funny. I've been reading Jim Ross's book recently, and he talks about um, you know seeing Mark Calloway for the first time, and about how uh, Ole Anderson WCW didn't know what to do with him, um, and and that uh, you know Mark Calloway apparently went to. Jim Ross at one point, uh, and they were having a conversation, and, and he told him that he was getting offers from from up north, and uh, and Jim Ross just told him he should go. Uh, and I think that's kind of incredible. It's like you know, here's this guy, you know, this company man who sees that the company's not going to do anything good with this with this talent, and it's like this yeah. talent needs to go somewhere where he's going to be used well. Um, and sure as shit, you know, a few weeks later, he sees him. You know, well, not a few weeks necessarily, but he sees him on TV, and yeah. you know, there he is. And 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 yeah, and, and now we're talking about him. You know. 20, 26, 27 yeah. years later. And not to, not to change the subject, just real quick, you were talking about reading Jim Ross' book. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a, a little cheap plug here. I'm reading a book now that I would recommend to anybody who's a fan. It's called Lion's Pride, The Turbulent History of New Japan Pro Wrestling by Absolutely. Chris Charlton. It, I don't know if you've ever read it. I'm, I'm like halfway through. It is a fantastic look at the entire history and it, and it goes about it talks about how they like they were reached the heights they reached and how far they fell and um and, and the nice thing is if you have a kindle um because i went to order the book it was like 35 dollars for the for the paperback but it was only four bucks on the kindle store and if you oh, have nice. the um, if you have amazon prime it's free that's awesome so anybody out there you know who's just getting into it if you want to learn more about it and like uh, like i said i'm only halfway through and some of the stuff i've learned is, is amazing so yeah. just be, I wanted to throw that out while we were talking about books real quick before I forgot. No, I'm really glad you did. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's pretty spectacular. I, I honestly have not finished it, but um, I, I've I've read uh, enough of it, and I've read some of Chris's other writings that uh, you know that there's no doubt uh, you know he knows his shit, and it really is in, in a lot of ways. It's it's the first book yeah. to kind and of it, tackle that subject for and it pulls no punches. World, yeah. I mean, it it, it talks about like. Anoki, how great he was, but it also talks about some of his flaws. Like they were basically siphoning money off the company to pay for other businesses, and you know there was a lot of backstage stuff going on. But it's it's an interesting read. It, uh, you know, I would recommend it so far. Absolutely. You know, while we're on the subject of books, uh, I'll also give a quick shout out to uh, Voices of Wrestling. They have. Um uh, and, and I, you can call them books. I, I mean, in some ways, they're they're really just blogs that have been kind of 
transformed into books, but uh, they do a, a year in review of New Japan Pro Wrestling every year. Um, oh, yeah. And, I've never read it, but I heard about it. Yeah, and I mean, they're, they're fantastic. I mean, they really are. They're, they, they, they give you some, some great information, and, and they're a great primer. And um, yeah. Again, some of the stuff isn't necessarily anything that you're not going to find on the internet, but uh, just having it all there in, in one you know tome, if yeah. you will, is, is pretty great. And um, speaking of, well, real quick, speaking of the voices of wrestling, I also like to throw this out there, that one of the reasons we decided decided to do this is that I don't know about you but like every week I would listen to the New Japan Purocast yeah. with Colin Miller and Damon McDonald and they're no longer doing the show. I don't know if it's a permanent stop or a temporary break, but you know, well I will say the, it, yeah, the, thing, the interesting thing about that and not to you know, start any rumors for the first two people that'll listen to this or whatever but uh, yeah, all, uh, all three listeners this Kevin, week, you know. Right. Kevin Kelly did say uh, on Secure Genesis that, that they were taking a break now. Whether yeah, that he means said a he, hiatus, and he, yeah. Now whether that means he knows something, you know, that they didn't necessarily tell everyone else, or that you know, whatever the case may be, who knows? It could just be that that's conjecture on his part. I don't know. Regardless, they weren't. Of the fact, put, yeah, because I was bummed. They weren't putting out an episode. Like I was waiting and waiting for the new one, and then I read on their Facebook page that they were taking a break of indeterminate length, and that's when I was talking to you about it, and we're like, you know what? Why don't we just do it? Yeah. A podcast. We both love New Japan wrestling. We love wrestling in general. But you know what? I just want to say, if they don't come back, that I would personally like to thank them. They made my either Monday or Tuesday, depending on when they put the show out, uh, day at, driving around the truck at work, that much more enjoyable because I would throw the podcast on. And you know, for a lot of people like me that were new to the product, it really was informative and it got you excited for the shows and everything. So you know, they, they if they don't come back, they are going to be missed. I completely agree. I completely agree with everything he said. And even, the, you know, there might have been times when um, I didn't necessarily agree all the way w- with, you know, their thoughts or feelings on something. I always thought that they had, you know, passionate right. and intelligent discussions and, and about something. Um, and they got appreciation, you know, f- from a part of the company itself, if you will, in Kevin Kelly. And the fact that well, you not know, only he was them, too, the shout-outs is a big yeah, deal. And not only them, but the other guys at the uh, Voices of Wrestling, what they did raising money for the Takayama Fund, too, was, was phenomenal. Absolutely. You know, so good for them. And, um, yeah, they're going to be missed. I, mean, I didn't always agree with them, but look at me and you are best friends for how many years, and I don't always agree with you. No, right, absolutely. I know, I know, which is, one of the, again, another one of the reasons, you know, why, why we wanted to do this. It's, it's, it's interesting because I was thinking to myself today even, you know, it's like, why are we doing this? Uh, because I'm going to be completely honest. There are a lot of wrestling podcasts out there. Um, there are even, you know, you might only be able to count them on one hand, but there are, there are even dedicated New Japan, you know, pro wrestling podcasts out there. So, you know, why another podcast? And eventually I just got to the point where it's like, you know what? We're two incredibly passionate people who have not only been fans, but have taken, I think, uh, that level of fandom, like a lot of other fans, to be fair, to start to really study it and, and look at it from uh, a perspective um, like you'll have, you know, people look at football, people people look at baseball uh, who have been fans for years and years that come to appreciate it for more than just, you know, the sport and the entertainment value of it and start to really look at the business and, and look at the, the whys and the what fors. And so it's something that yeah. for And me, it was something we could do together. Yeah, Because exactly. of, like, not to change something, but a little history, you know, for full disclosure. Me and Sam met in, it had to be 99. Yeah, it was Because yeah, we, we met through a mutual friend, Blake. Yep. And uh, what really, the first night I met you, I remember you were saying you had two tickets to an Oasis concert. Yeah. In Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, which is about two and a half hours away. And 
you asked me if I wanted to go because I was another Oasis fan. So that's where it started. Now, we were inseparable. Yeah. Right from there, we were together all the time. And then, unfortunately, you had to move. And yeah. uh, you moved out to Indianapolis. Now, and right, right, right around the same time, too, I was settling down and getting married. So my life was taking a different course and having kids and stuff. But, you know, what's funny, and people always laugh at, we stayed in touch. But there was a gap where we didn't see each other for 13 years. Yeah. And then we actually got together. Speaking of Oasis, Noel Gallagher was playing a concert in Chicago. And we talked about it, and I decided to oh, sound like a great time to come out. Then we went to the show the next night. We went to a game at Wrigley. And since then, you've been in to Scranton. I've seen you. Um, I was out in Indianapolis because I was in your wedding not that long ago. And uh, it, it's just funny. Like, in a lot of ways, it sounds silly, but a lot of the things we talk about when we talk are pro wrestling. Yeah. It's, it's a common thing. The, the common bond between us has been pro wrestling and music. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and we, you know, I, I mean, obviously the friendship goes deeper than that, but I no, think I, that, I agree. But it, it's always our go-to. Like we'll we'll talk yeah. on the phone about what's going on, and everything, and then it'll be, hey, did you see last night? What did you think of this? Or you know, absolutely, absolutely, and well, I mean, and even you know when we were hanging out back in the day, you know, watching some of those first DVDs that were coming out, like the XPW DVD, I remember, you, you know, watching some of those shows at your place and, you know, watching yeah. Raw and watching Nitro and, you know, talking about them and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, it, those are some of my best memories of that time period, uh, frankly, and, and, you know, we had a hell of a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm how about, excited to be How about this. hanging out at your house playing WWE No Mercy for the N64? Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that the other night, actually. I think... There has to be something said for the power of wrestling video games because Ugh. for me I have I've I've pretty much played them all and yeah No Mercy and WrestleMania 2000 you know they were the best they they really were and well, we uh, of the old school games so, I mean, the so new much. games but that's why I like the new games I to, to me they're just they're fancier but they have a lot in common with those those two games because yeah. if you remember like that that I forget who made them at the time but the engine they were using actually started I remember the first game I got I think it was like WCW versus the NWO or WCW yep. World Tour World one Tour. of the two it was World Tour and then World the Tour NWO then came next yeah and then the WWE got the license um, what was it Ukes yep it was Ukes yeah but I remember playing and and I think it was I don't know which one it was but the story mode was unbelievable. And they had to create a character. I mean, the things that we were doing at the time was, were ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and the thing is, is that, again, you know, to take it back to New Japan real quick, those games were originally produced, you know, for Japan and had Japanese characters in them. So you had a lot of Japanese moves in the mm -hmm. game, even though, you know, the WWE wrestlers might not have been doing them. And you could create, you know, you could create your great Muda. You could create your, your Masahiro Chono, your Yuji Nagata. You yeah, they couldn't put them guys. in the game, but they would put the stuff in the game to make it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, I think it was WrestleMania 2000 had a move where you could, like, spit mist at people. Well, at that mm -hmm. time, nobody was spitting mist in, in, in WWE, WWE. I mean, you could kind of maybe say, like, Gangrel with the whole, you know, spitting the blood thing, but it wasn't yeah, the same. Yeah, but you know what it was. Yeah. Well, it's like, even in the, in the game now, I mean, they don't have New Japan wrestlers. But if you create a guy and you go into the custom entrance, like, where you can, their movements and everything, Kenny Omega's is in there. Right. It's called uh, Alpha Omega. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so they put the stuff in. They know how to get around to get it in there, but. You know. 
Right. So. And, 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 you know, uh, I, I, that's another thing, actually, to talk real quick about something. Um, for me, this is before I met you, in, like, 1994, uh, I'd seen the ads so many times in the back of, like, Pro Wrestling Illustrated for this wrestling card game. And finally, I was like, I saved my allowance. I think it was, like, 12 bucks. I sent my check in, uh, and I remember my, my money order. And a, less than a week later, this package arrives in the mail with this card game. And it was called Champions of the Galaxy, and it was supposed to be sort of this cross between, you know, comic books, Star Wars, and professional wrestling. And and I was hooked right away. And it's made by this company called Filsinger Games, uh, and they started... Oh, gosh, was it, is it 10 years now, maybe? But they started releasing, in addition to their own sort of house-made game, which had its origins in a game that he pitched to WWF, um, they started releasing independent promotions. And Ring of Honor is one of those promotions. And the cool thing about that is, is through Ring of Honor, they've been able to sign talent. So guys like uh, Kenny Omega and Jay White uh, are all in the game. And, and it's really cool. It's just, it's a dice and card game. You can even play it online. They've got an online component. But it's a great game, and it's one of those things that I've come back to again and again, even if I've not been playing for a while, because it's helped. It's sort of gone hand-in-hand hand with my love of professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, how so, does, let me ask you this. How does New Japan, being a Japanese company, not have a video game? Like, I know they're going to be in the Fire Pro Wrestling world that's coming out, like, the update in August or July or whenever. But you would think they would have their own game, like, on, the, on level with WWE, like, 2K. I mean, because they could put the Ring of Honor and, I mean, they, I'm pretty sure they have a partnership, too, with CMLL. They do, yeah. Well, they, they have, in the past, they actually had a string of games, and I believe, in fact, the whole reason why Wrestle Kingdom is called Wrestle Kingdom was to promote the video game Wrestle Kingdom. Well, yeah, uh, because that, people have this misconception that, Wrestle, I mean, before Wrestle Kingdom, they were running January 4th shows at the Dome. They just didn't, they had different names. Right, absolutely. And, for instance, you know, if you even go to, like, Wikipedia, for instance, and look up Wrestle Kingdom, it actually shows you, you know, January 4th Tokyo Dome show, because it does, like you said, I mean, it goes all the way back to, like, nineteen ninety. Too. Yeah, um, but yeah, they changed the name uh, to Wrestle Kingdom because uh, of the video game that they were they were running. Now, I don't think that they've had a dedicated wrestling game for a few years, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure they had one recently enough to be on the 360. Um, yeah. But it, you, you got to think one's coming in the future, especially now their involvement with Fire Pro Wrestling. They're putting their foot back in the water. I would think they would put out a dedicated game at some point. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would think that, yeah, that they would have to. Um, it, it's probably, you know, it's, it's a part of the plan. I mean, the, the thing that's amazing about what New Japan has done uh, to sort of get us back on, on track with New Japan is that they have absolutely had a plan in place. You, you know, they know what they're doing, and I think they're capitalizing on the things that are working for them, um, and, they're, and they're moving the ball forward. You know, having the dojo in, in L.A., which has been around for a while, but basically having this sort of re-grand opening, if you will. What, um, and they put with Strong Style Evolved, uh, promoting shows here, promoting larger shows here, having talent that you know might be from the United States or from Canada, like Kenny Omega, who are you know English speaking, but have so much invested in New Japan and, and really growing that global brand in a way that they've never done before. Well, well, what they've also done is, and it's amazing, they've created a situation now where some of these top guys don't want to go to WWE, or yeah. at least not go right away. It's not the end-all, be-all that it once was. Right. Like, I'm, I'm still, I mean, I'm sure you still make more money for the most part and everything, but like they said, like, the, like the Young Bucks, between the Ring of Honor contract and New Japan and, and the money they make just on Birch, they would almost take a, have to take a pay cut to go to WWE. 
Yeah. And they're, like you said, like they're in control of their own storylines at this point, to a certain degree. I mean, they're not booking completely, but they're running their own gigs, you know what I mean? Yeah, they would absolutely. lose that freedom, and I mean, I still wouldn't be surprised at some point if you saw them there, because I think at some point they, you know, a lot of these talents uh, will want to at least see what it is and try it. Like I, I do think at some point, even if it's for a little while, we will see Kenny Omega in WWE at some point, but I don't think it's going to be in the next year or two. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I w- it would shock me if it's before 2020. It really would. Um, I hope not, because our, like the plan is of now is for us to go to the uh, Wrestle Kingdom in 2020. Right. So <laughs> that'd be our luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the nice thing is, is I've I, I've been able to see him live uh, because the, you know he came to Chicago uh, last October, um, and I actually got to meet him and you know do the do the whole meet and greet thing and everything, uh, and it was awesome to have him there. Uh, you know, it was a match against Yoshihashi, which I know a lot of people were sort of like, wait, what? You know uh, what though? I am not to, not to get off topic. I like Yoshihashi. Yeah. You know, and Yoshihashi, and and they talked about that on the Purocast. Yoshihashi is one of those guys that when you see his name on the card. You're like, well, whatever. And then when you watch the show, after the show, you're like, every time he's on a card, you're like, wow, he was, that was a really good match. Yeah. Like, and, and, and he and Omega know, had a great match. They did, you know. I mean, okay, maybe not great, but it was it was damn good. It was fun to watch, and, you know, Omega was great. It was clear that he wasn't just there to kind of, you know, sleepwalk through it, uh, which I yeah. imagine he was tired of shit. He wasn't mailing it in. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. He did some, he did some awesome stuff in that match, without a doubt. Uh, I mean, I, I, he, there was like a power bomb spot through a table. You know, it's just sort of like yeah. he, 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 you know, he showed up without a doubt. Um, and I'm looking, about, forward, I, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to see him at all in as well. You know, that's, that's, that's oh, I can't to wait. How about I, when I watch Kenny Omega matches now in the Young Bucks? Like in the back of my mind, all I can think to myself is, I wish Jim Cornette would watch this because he'd have a meltdown. <laughs> like, like everything they do. Like, well, obviously, you know. That, that whole story, but uh, like that's the, the filter now that I'm watching some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing about that is, too, and you're never going to change his mind. I, 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 I believe no. that firmly just from the way he is. And I have all the respect in the world for Jim Cornette. I think that he's done brilliant things. I, I find him very funny. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, let's face it. Jim, for, Jim Cornette forgot more about wrestling than we'll ever know. Exactly. Um, but I, I wonder sometimes, I would love to be able to challenge him and say, like, no, really watch this match. Like, really watch this match. Because for people that say that there's no psychology, that it's all high spots, that it's all, it's like... Either they don't know what they're talking about or they haven't seen it. No psychology. Matt Jackson's been selling the same back injury now for almost four months. Yeah, which, by the way, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure is actually a legit injury. It's probably not as bad as he's oh, made I'm out sure. to Yeah, be. he definitely... Well, if you remember when he got hurt, I mean, yeah. the welt that was on his back was unbelievable. Yeah. So there was definitely a... You know, he took a bump the wrong way. But, I mean, the way they say he sells it and makes it a part of every match now. Right. I know. Well, and, and you know, so so actually, let's go ahead and, and segue into talking a little bit about Sakura Genesis, because that's okay. a perfect way to do it. Um, and it is the genesis of our podcast, so what a great way to start. Right. Uh, that that match between the Young Bucks and Chase Owens and Takahashi to, to open the card, um, yeah, his selling was off the charts, and it played yeah. into every little thing that he did. And the other thing that was awesome about it is the way that Nick Jackson, like, just bumped it up to another level do you know like it was like yeah. he you know he knew that he had to kind of carry it and that's not that you know that, that Matt wasn't in there obviously doing things but it was it told a wonderful story and that's the thing about the young bucks that I feel like there are a lot of people um, I mean clearly if, if you're listening to this podcast you probably don't feel this way but I think a lot of people miss about them is that they are 
wonderful storytellers. I agree. And you know what, you know what else I noticed, too? Like, Matt is, is still selling this back angle. And every time he has a match now, and, and credit to Don Callis, every time he does a match, he puts somebody in a sharpshooter. The, the announcers make sure to mention that it's hurting his back as much as the person in the move. Yeah. Like, and you can see just his facial expressions, how he's in, that he looks like he's in agony trying to put the move on. And, you know, it, it's just, like you said, their, their storytelling has been phenomenal. Absolutely. And it gets overlooked because, let's face it, I mean, they do do a lot of high spots, but, you know, and that's what gets people's attention. But I think their storytelling, you know, has been off. The, and I think it has improved the last year. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong. Not that it was ever bad, but, I mean, I think they almost, like, they might take it to heart when people say they don't tell a story. Like, oh, okay, watch. Yeah. We'll show you. Yeah, I would agree with that. They're, they're, they have, and that's the thing, they always kind of keep evolving and growing. And, 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 you know, if you watch a Young Bucks match from like five or six years ago compared to today, I mean, you're going to see, you're going to see two world-class athletes no matter what, but yeah. you're definitely going to see two guys that have evolved and grown and changed and kind of keep pushing things forward. Um, and, and I think it's, it's kind of amazing to see because uh, for as popular as they are, uh, I think that it would be very easy for them to just kind of, you know, rest on that and be like, I, I you know, I sold a million dollars of the T-shirts this year. I'm not too worried about the rest of it or whatever. Yeah. You know what my other big takeaway was from that match? And, and maybe I'm in the minority in this. I think Chase Owens is severely underrated. I think he's come a long way. Like, I don't think he's, don't, don't get me wrong, I don't think he's on the, that level as some of the other guys. But where he is now, even a year ago, yeah. I think he's, he's improving by leaps and bounds. And, you know, he's reliable. I mean, they yeah. can put him in any situation. They can, and I know they said that during the commentary. It seems like they can put him in any match, any situation, and he can adapt. Right. You know, and he did get a pop from my four-year-old daughter with his new T-shirt. Because apparently I didn't know Chase is on the case. He's yeah. from a TV show called Paw Patrol. Uh, um, uh, I, I, I didn't know that. And apparently Kevin Kelly and Don Callis and Rocky Romero, who was also doing commentary on the show, mentioned it without saying the show. But oh, my four-year-old man. daughter knew exactly what they were talking about. That's classic. That yeah. is awesome. I, yeah. know, and the storytelling I, in the match. I mean, like, I like the fact that Yujiro and Chase attack them from behind. Yeah. And then, you know, they did shake hands after the match. But it's continuing this whole young, or I'm sorry, the Bullet Club Civil War angle. Yeah. Which I don't know. Have you seen the um, the cards for wrestling Dantaku? Yes. Okay. Did you see the one match? I think it's because wrestling Dantaku this year is two nights. Did you see the 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 civil the the Young Bucks? Um, I'm sorry, the Bullet Club Civil War match. Uh, the ten man tag. Sure oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What it's like the the God Fale in in Chase, I believe. It's Tangaloa. Tamatanga, Bad Luck Valet, Kota Bushi, and Kenny Omega versus Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson, Marty Scroll, Hangman Page, and Cody. Man. They're really playing this up. Yeah, well. Which I mean, I'm fine they, with. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, they, they, they've done a wonderful job. It's been a subtle story, too. The other thing that I love about it, it hasn't been, like, you know, too in your face. And I think a lot of it's played out uh, over uh, the being the elite um, and 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 also, you know, in Ring of Honor, I, I mean, there's there's been a lot of things that they've been doing outside of just New Japan, uh, which is which is great, and and I think that New Japan obviously is is definitely in on it. It's not like they're doing it completely independent of New Japan, um, but it's just, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool to see well, the way that it's played out. I agree. Were you a little bit surprised? And I maybe 
I, you know, that's not the right way to phrase it, but I was, that the, the like, the big build-up, this Kenny Omega-Cody feud is going to take place at a Ring of Honor show? A if little it bit? Wasn't, if it wasn't WrestleMania weekend, yes, I would be very surprised. Because it's WrestleMania weekend, I'm not as surprised, um, because I think that it's New Japan's way of kind of having an impact uh, WrestleMania weekend without having to oh, run I agree, a show. but, man, they threw Ring of Honor a bone on this one, didn't they? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's it's a huge match, and again, I, it, I, I I'm not trying to say that it is a one match, you know, card by any stretch. No, but like it's said, the match. The card. It is the match, and it might be I, this. You know, some people might not agree with this, but it might be the match of the weekend non WWE. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be the best match. When by we say any non WWE, do we mean all of WWE? Like, are you including NXT in that, or are you saying NXT separate? No, I'm including NXT. Okay, then I agree. And, yeah. and it could be the best match anyway, but, you know, some of that, that NXT card has me excited. But, um, yeah. Oh, but yeah, let's just say, too, uh, just, you know, the Bucks did win, and yes. it was their first win as a heavyweight tag team. Yeah, which here's two things that I want to mention real quick. One, uh, the amazing thing about this match, I, I have to be honest, I didn't, I didn't sit there ever thinking that Takahashi and Chase were going to win the match. But there were times when you almost thought, ooh, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe, just because of the way, you know, Matt's selling the back. And, and not only that, with, and- the, with the story of the Bullet Club self, self-destruction self going on, they could have got distracted, or you could have had a situation which played out later in the show where they didn't want to hurt each other, and, you know, you could have had anything. I agree with you. Like, going yeah. in, you're thinking, okay, the Young Bucks are going to win, but, and I thought the time on it, like, nine minutes, it went nine minutes in, 23 seconds. It was a good, fast-paced match. It didn't drag. It was just kind of perfect for what it was, especially to open the show. And then the other point that I wanted to make uh, in addition to that, too, is just the announcing. And, and you brought up that point about it being their first win as heavyweights. I love the way that, you know, the announcers reinforce the fact that, like, they're in, up in a weight class. And it made me think for a second, you know, we've seen them open the card many times before. So yeah. I'm not saying that it has anything to do with, like, placing them, you know, having them start over. But in a way... This team that is, you know, arguably one of the greatest junior heavyweight teams ever in New Japan is kind of starting at Over. the bottom. No yeah. disrespect to Yujiro and, and, and Chase, but it's like they're not they're not necessarily the team to beat when it comes to heavyweights. No, so I it's, agree. it's nice to see the way that New Japan is saying, like, you guys don't just automatically shoot to the top. You know, well, yeah, you had this main event amazing blow away match at Strong Style Evolved between the Golden Lovers, but you still have to work your way up in the heavyweight division. I and agree. It, it, it was it was great, and I love the way that the announcers talked about it. Yeah, and I love the fact that they moved them up to heavyweights um, for for no other reason than really. There's nothing more they could have done as a junior tag team. I mean, yeah. they won the title seven times, and what I like about it the most is it's giving them a new story and a new way to go. But it's opened up that junior tag match, like the, that tag title scene, which we'll talk yeah. about later. We'll get to that match, but I mean, you have some great young teams in in the junior division, and it's wide open now. You know right. what I mean? When the Bucks are wrestling as a junior tag team, let's face it, no matter what you do, they're the team. I mean, they're yes. the seven-time champions, for God's sakes, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and there are definitely some great teams, you know, from the 90s, but I don't think there's there were any. A lot of those teams were kind of thrown together teams. Like, you'd have, like, you know, two guys like, you know, Koji Kanemoto and, and somebody like, uh, you know, Liger or whatever just kind of get thrown together for yeah. a little while. They'd win a title, and then, you know, they'd break up or whatnot. But but to have, like, a team the way that those two are, I, I, I And another I thing, too, is, like, I'm excited because now, like, I'm hoping they do it, but, like, to see the Young Bucks later in the year in the World Tag League. 
Yeah. It's it's yeah. a nice breath of fresh air because like for a while too, I think like the main the, the heavyweight tag division got a little stale. You know? Well yeah. Especially and with it, War Machine leaving. And you know, and to be fair, the you know, their heavyweight tag division, there have been some amazing tag team matches in New Japan. Oh, I agree, but, but at the same time, their heavyweight tag division was you know, was a lot was about big guys slugging it out, you know, with a couple of high impact moves here. Now that being said, though, I do really like Evil and Sonata. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just you know we got a little bit of a break there because Evil had broke his orbital socket, but now that he's back, we'll see where they go with this. I mean, obviously they're going to. We'll get to that. They're going to go to a Wrestle KES at some point, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and, you know, and and so moving on to the next match, we've got uh, Chaos represented. Let me just say my least favorite match of the night. Yeah, I would agree. And. I love versus Suzuki Gun, uh, Tai Chi, and um, okay. I might be in the minority, but I love Tai Chi, and I think the month he, of March he had, like when when given the opportunity against some good opponents, big time opponents, he delivered in good matches. Like I'm not saying I, I shouldn't say love. I really like Tai Chi, but yeah. as much as I like him and I love Ishi, and, and let me ask you this because I've heard it both ways. Do you say Ishi or Ishii? Man, it depends on the day. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard it both ways. Um, yeah, so but I can only stomach Yano for so long, yeah. and I really have no place at all for Azuka. Oh, I know. It's it. Oh, man, it's so tough because the, the, the thing is, with Suzuki-gun in general, the minute they start breaking out the, you know, roughing up the ref and breaking out the iron hand and doing all the crazy bullshit, it... it I, I have got my limits. Yeah, you can only I, take so much Suzuki gun, Suzuki gun bullshit. Yeah, exactly. And, and then and you again, couple it with Yano, that who you know he's going to rip off the turnbuckle covers. Right. He's going to hit a nut shot, a hair pull, and a roll up. You know, which like, is so funny though because I feel like it's strong style evolved. The shit that he was doing with Lance Archer was great. Oh yeah, like, and he was that, over like Rover. I mean, yeah. with that crowd. And and I think part of it honestly has to do with Lance Archer. Like Lance Archer was. He had no problem playing around with it and having fun with it. Yeah. And I think part of that is the fact that Lance Archer also knows that when it came time, he was going to fucking, you know, knock his block off. Yeah, he's going to do what language. he does. Um, but, yeah. So, but I agree. I think that, you know, Yano is, is, is he's just hard to take sometimes. Well, and I think, I, like, if you watch, if you only watch once in a while, Yano's funny. But if you're right. watching all these shows, and, and I know I'm watching them and you're watching them, like, it's almost like, oh, and, and I hate the fact that they keep pairing them up with Ishii because I get that they're a tag team, but there's so much stuff that I would like to see Ishii do as a singles wrestler that I don't want him bogged down with Yano. Like, I mean, he's one of the best wrestlers in the company. And, yeah, and, and they and, just... And, I mean, you could say that about a lot of guys, but, but I mean, Ishii's incredible. Oh, I definitely think he's one of their most unsung heroes. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's great. But, I mean, that match went 7 minutes, 42 seconds, which I guess was... Uh, Right, it was the shortest match on the card, yeah. which makes sense. I mean, you can only do that for so long, but and that's pretty much. I mean, the, and and how about too? You sending Tai Chi out. Where was uh, Miho? Miho Abe. Abe. Yeah, I know. Well, she was there later, though, right? With um, no, no, I don't think so. You're right. You know, no, which is odd. I mean, that's part of his uh, integral part of his gimmick. You know, but whatever. It is what it is. I do like that they were calling uh, Yano the king of sneaky style. Yeah. I thought I found that to be funny. And that yeah. was one of the few things that I liked about Rocky Romero being on commentary. Like, I didn't dislike it, but I kind of like anybody that gets in the way of, of, of Don Callis. 
you know, because I love I love Kevin Kelly. He does a great job, but I can listen to Don Callis do wrestling matches all day. Yeah, I just think he's great. I don't know your opinion on that, but I well, here's the thing: when when it comes to New Japan, you know, we've been given choices, if you will, because with access you have. Well, we had uh, this conversation the other night. Yeah, Josh Barnett and Jim Ross. And with all due respect to both of those guys, it is sometimes very hard, if not impossible, to It was brutal. To let's, be fine. let's be honest. But here's the problem, too. And, and maybe I'm wrong. I think part of it is just the fact that I'm so used to Kevin Kelly and Don Callis now that yeah. that's what I want to hear. And they know more about the wrestlers, and they know more about what goes on behind that they can talk about. That when, and I mean, let's face it. I'm not. We're not going to rag on Jim Ross. He's probably the best ever. Okay. Yeah. Or if, if you don't think he's the best, he's definitely up there. But right. Well, you, and you made a great point when we were talking the other night. When he did WWE, he was also the talent director. Like yeah. he knew these guys. He knew their stories. He knew what their characters were supposed to be. I mean, you went. You went for how long in this sh- in Strong Style Evolved, where he was calling him Marty Sherrill. Yeah. Now I understand it's an accent thing, but he was, and then he apologized for it. But it's just the point that, like, it, and and I'm not a Josh Barnett fan. God love him. No knock. I'm trying not trying to be negative towards anybody because they could do a better job than I could ever do. I, I don't fancy myself an announcer, but I just it was it was a little painful. If you'd yeah. give me the same card with Kevin Kelly and Don Callis, I would have been thrilled. I agree. There are times, there are times with Josh Barnett, uh, well, I mean, and Jim Ross as well, I mean, I don't want to dismiss him in any way, but there are times with Josh Barnett when he's calling, you know, some of the mat wrestling and talking about, like, what a particular move is doing that uh, I, I really yeah, appreciate. Yeah, I agree. Um, like, I even noticed, like, when Davey Boy Smith, he was talking about how they trained with some of the same people and stuff like yeah. that. It was, it was interesting. Um, it just... It just feels out of place, and it doesn't feel like when I'm sitting down. It'd be like if you're in the middle of, like, if Raw during the Attitude Era to sit down and all of a sudden have two different people calling the match on it like you never heard. Right. You know, like it just. Right. And, and, you know, so, like, yeah, if you had somebody all of a sudden that wasn't familiar. With, and they could be you, great. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. You know what and I mean? And they could be legends. I mean, if but... you put it out there, if you put somebody we don't know and Gordon Soley doing it, yeah. it would still wouldn't feel right and it wouldn't feel like what we're used to and I think that's part of the problem now I think they do better on the access show but I think that's because it's taped I think Jim right. Ross can study the match and say what you know what I mean like he's trying to do these shows live and I don't think that's a strong suit because of his lack of familiarity with the product yeah I, I completely agree and I think that Kevin Kelly you know the thing that's so great about him is you can tell that he's incredibly passionate about it and, and he engages with the you know the, the product if you will in, in a completely different way and it sets him apart and I'm not even going to say you know, I, I've grown to appreciate Kevin Kelly a lot and not just for New Japan but even for some of the stuff he was doing at the tail end of his ROH mm-hmm. uh, tenure there but like thinking about him you know like 15 16 years ago it's sort of like I never would have thought that I would be talking about him the way that I am now. Yeah, know? I think he's great. Um, and, and uh, like, Don Callis, too. Like, And I liked, before he got there, Carino. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. And oh. I thought that was going to be – I thought that Callis made a smooth transition because he doesn't try to be Carino. He be, he's just himself, but yes. he does such a good job of it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so that the we'll we'll just skip over that. We don't need to talk too much more about Chaos Suzuki Goon match. Uh, we've got uh, Bullet Club represented by Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, the Never Open Weight Six Man Tag Team Champions, taking on Michael Elgin, uh, Taguchi, and uh, Makabe. And you know, it's interesting because I think as American fans, 
um, seeing Michael Elgin it put into you know any any sort of place of prominence is weird right now. Well, um, yeah, because of some of the, the some I, of the stuff that, <laughs> that went down. I'm last looking year. at my notes and I have written here: Big Mike. Very, I think he's a very good worker. Just his character though comes across bland to me, and I put plus questionable personal stuff. Yeah. Like, and I'm not trying to like. God, I don't know all the details. You don't know all the details. I mean, no. but you know, it's yeah. Even if that wasn't there, I like his in-ring work for his size, but his whole character and demeanor just comes across very bland to me. And you know, and the weirdest the, the weirdest thing for me, the thing that makes it difficult, honestly, to watch Big Mike is that before, like probably about a month or so before this news broke, uh, that that you know, again, go find it on the internet. We're not going to get into it here. No, but that's not what this is about broke with him, he had just won the Jim Lina Memorial Tournament in AAW, and it had, I mean, those those two nights of wrestling had been some of my favorite nights of wrestling that I have ever seen live. There were some incredible matches, and he had some, you know, just some stellar stuff that uh, that weekend, uh, and, and he caps it off by being Jeff Cobb in the finals of that tournament, and the winner of the tournament traditionally would challenge for the heavyweight title of the AAW champion Championship, rather, at their final card of the year. Yeah. Um, everything happened. They pulled him from it. They gave the shot to Jeff Cobb instead. Yeah. Everyone that I know that follows AAW was convinced that you know they were positioning Big Mike to take the title. Um, seeing him in that setting and seeing him with some of those guys, I mean, he was putting on some incredible matches. And, I mean, hell, look at the matches he had with Kenny Omega last year. Oh, I, mean, I those agree. matches were incredible. Um, but it's clear that even New Japan has taken note because he's he's had a reduced role as of late. But they, I mean, but they went, did sign him to a new contract. They did, uh, yes. And, and I think part of that is also, you know, that their mentality is a little bit different about these things, that it doesn't, it's not as in the news over there. Well, yeah, I mean, there's not, yeah, I agree. It's not a big story over there because, you know, let's just face it, it happened here. Yeah. You know, but um, as far as the match, like you know what the problem I have with this too is I'm not a huge fan of Maccabi. Like I'm not ragging on him. It just at this point in his career, he's not doing much for me. And I'm also yeah. not huge on Taguchi at this point. Like, like I don't know. I yeah. find it super annoying when he does the, he starts doing the baseball signs and all that. Like he's the coach, and they got into some like when he was having that little mini feud with Tai Chi, they made him out to be a pervert. Yeah, and that was just like I don't know if it was a cultural thing and it didn't translate well, but it was just like, and and, and you know the, like even watching this match, like if you look at the Bullet Club, right? Fale's Fale, and I like Fale, but in small doses. I love Tamatonga, but yes. like Tonga Loa does not much for me either. Sure. So like this whole match was just kind of like the highlight of the match for me was when Fale choked Mike with the microphone, yeah. and then said he had one of those faces you just want to punch in the effing face. Right, right. I did like that. I also loved when he basically threatened Rocky after the match. He's like, I yeah. don't like this guy. But, like, other than that, it, I mean, it is what it is. I don't mind yeah. those guys as the, the never-open champs, like the six-man champs. But I think it was just a combination that I didn't like the team they were wrestling against. Like, when they wrestle against, like, Juice and, uh, Juice and uh, Finley and somebody else, I enjoy them better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would totally agree with that. I, I, it's an interesting combination, you know, Elgin and Taguchi and Makabe. And I think that, you know, again, like you're saying, Makabe's best days are behind him. No one's going to dispute that. Uh, and, and, and some of his best days were incredible. Oh, I agree. And but, I'm not trying to rag on him. I mean, it's the third match on the card. It's not like this is the main event. So right, there's a right. place for them, and that's the place. I just, I didn't like the whole match, like the, like yeah. the, 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 the pieces. 
Well, and it's, you know, I think that it kind of also illustrates how New Japan sees that six-man tag championship because you've still got, you know, two more six-mans after this. Oh, and I agree. And I think those six-mans were there to further storylines separate from the six-man tag Mm -hmm. championship. But at the end of the day, if I if I'm building a card and I'm trying to say my six man tag titles are important, then any other six man tags that I have, I'm putting those under those end of that yeah. match. And there was so, two six man tags in the next two matches. Exactly. So I think that in a way, it's kind of like it, that's illustrative of not only the importance of those belts, but of this match. Now, if you look at it the was two, what it was. yeah, if you look at the next two matches, I mean, they're set up, and we'll go through each one a little bit, but they're set up to further other storylines, so it exactly. makes sense. But I mean, I do like the fact that the Bullet Club team, Afale, Tonga, and, Lo- and Tongaloa, have them. I think they're a good fit for the belts right now. Absolutely. I just, I just, I don't think it was. I think it was the combination of them versus who they wrestled. I think that was the my problem with it. Yeah, but I think we've and and just for argument's sake, it went eleven minutes and twenty seconds. Yes, which might have been a little long, but you know, yeah, it is what it eh. is. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, again, it wasn't it wasn't terrible. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and when I say this, like I make it sound like a, it was still better than most stuff you're going to see on Monday and Tuesday nights. Oh yeah, without a doubt. So I, a doubt. I mean, you got to look through this through the filter of the other matches on the card. Yeah. So, speaking of matches, you want to lead us into the next one? Yeah, so we've got uh, Taguchi Japan, represented by Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, and David Finley, taking on Chaos, uh, Hiroki, Goto, uh, Jay White, and Yoshihashi. Now, I uh, like this match. Me too. I like it. And Go ahead. One of the things that I'll say real quick, too, uh, the, the, it, was, it was a nine-minute match. You know, so the time that they spent in the ring too, and getting the story points—they got right to, to the across. point. Yeah, it was, and, and that's great. And the stuff with David Finley and Jay White uh, has has been, uh, you know, it's just been a couple of, of of movements to the act so far, if you will. But it's been good stuff, and I've enjoyed seeing David Finley really kind of like, you know, stick it to Jay White in a way, and just yeah. and, and be like, hey, hey, I'm coming for you. You know. Well, I thought that match did a great job of two things. I mean, it build up for the Finley Jay White feud that's coming. And it yeah. also did a real good job. It built up Juice versus Goto, yeah. which we both know was coming at some point. I don't know when they're going to do that. I thought it would be at Dantaku, but probably going to wait. But they're getting there. Um, yeah. You know, I felt like Tanahashi and Yoshihashi were just kind of there because they had right. nothing else to do on the card. Like, I think sure. this match would have been just the same if it was Juice and David Finley versus Jay White and Goto, but whatever. True. You know, yeah. I'm never going to complain about seeing Hiroshi Tanahashi. No. And and I already expressed my feelings about Yoshihashi. I think he's a good worker. Doesn't get you know anything going. But I'm so and torn on this. He has a look on his face even when he's coming to the ring. Where I just want to like I want to hug him. I, I wish they I would just like, like repackage okay, him a little bit. Like nothing <laughs> yeah. drastic, but just make him like like the the Paula Dean hair doesn't work for me. And you know, <laughs> but it is what it is. Sure. Um, sure. Here's my my dilemma with this. I look at the the upcoming feud between Finley and Jay White. Okay. Yeah. I don't want Jay White to drop the belt. I think he's good in that role, role and he should hold it for a while. But at the same point, I kind of want Finley to win the belt because I think he would benefit greatly from a little bit of a singles push with a a lower-tier belt. So I'm kind of torn on that because I want them to both win. Like I definitely would love to see Juice beat Goto for the Never title. I think that would be a good way. Like, I don't think Goto needs it at this point. No. He is what he is, and Juice is not becoming guy. Like, and, and that's kind of what the Never title was supposed to be. Yep. So that that's what it is. But that whole Finley-Jay White f- feud strikes me as, you know, complicated. Like, I don't know which way I would want that to go. 
Yeah, well, I think that the thing that's interesting about Jay White is that I, and this is not his in-ring performance, but I believe that he has underperformed since coming back. And I don't know if that's just because the fans are are, are not taking to him. Um, Part of it could be, way... too, the way the position he was thrust into. I mean, his first match back was the third match from the top against Tanahashi at the Dome. Yeah. And, and yeah. I thought that match under-delivered. Now, I thought his, his match with Kenny Omega was really good. No, I, I, I would agree with that. You know, and I, 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 I think that I think that that's true. I think he got put into that position in the Dome, and, you know, Tanahashi was clearly going over, and... It, it it immediately he comes in he gets beat it's not necessarily the greatest match um, and so it, I, I think it made his reception by the fans a little chilly uh, I think it is unfortunate because I think his match with Omega was great I love the match do with you him think he was Cage. originally do you think the plan was to put him in chaos or do you think they called an audible after the dome I don't know that's a really good question because I, I mean I would think my heart's telling me they pulled an audible. But the way they book stuff, they don't get super reactionary off one match. No. But, like, it just seems like he's completely out of place in chaos. I mean, and I, and I get that that's, that's going to be part of the story. But, like, when we get to the end, like, I don't know. Did you watch the uh, press conference, like, or the, like, two or three days later when they put the on YouTube, like, the aftermatch interviews for each one? Not yet. I would recommend watching it because, like, when Okada does, they have his match, like, his, with their drinking beer. He has members of chaos with them, and they have Jay White out there acting like a team player. But it just seems like, and I guess they're going to go to that eventually. But it just seems like an odd fit. Yeah. But um, you know, it is what it is, and you know, and I look at Juice. It's hard to believe that was C.J. Parker in NXT, like where he's coming from. I know, I know, and it's great because he's got like that. You know, almost like superstar Billy Graham sort of feel to him now with the the oh, ring gear that he's know, got. Did you notice the, too? They build him up now. He's the flamboyant one. Yeah. When did they start putting nicknames on their title cards? Like when these guys come to the ring and they put their name up. Like I noticed this with the Rapongi 3K. They they were putting like nicknames up. Like one was like Mister Electric or something like that. Like when they put Kenny's thing up, it says Best Bout Machine. Yeah. I never noticed this before. I don't know if it's uh, something new they're doing. It's not entirely new, but it's not. It does seem to be a little bit more prevalent these days. I mean, because it goes back. I mean, they've been doing that. They've been doing that for years. I mean, they they for a while. You know, like uh, Chono was was Mister G One. Yeah. And, uh, Nagata was Mister IWGP, and so you know, I mean, they they've they've certainly. It's not the first time that they've done it, but I. You're right. It, it does seem more prevalent, and it certainly seems more prevalent compared to what they were doing like a year. Here, here's two things I took out of this match. One. And I was thinking about this with Juice and Jay White. After Omega, who who would you rank as the highest Gaijin in the company right now? Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, I would think after the performance you just put on. But like before before all this, I mean, you can make an argument that they really pushed Jay White. Juice is an up and coming guy, but they're both positioning themselves in a good spot. Oh, like out of the out of the two of them, I prefer Juice, but. There was a time last year when I would have, when my answer to that same question you just asked me would have been Juice Robinson. Yeah. Because, and not even necessarily because he had accomplished a lot or he had, you know, tore the house down in any matches, but just because of, yeah, the the, the overall position. Well, that's kind of um, why I wish Juice had beaten Tanahashi in the New Japan Cup. I thought it would have been great to see to see Juice and Zack Sabre Jr. go at it because you could have yeah. built up two guys at once. But I get why. I mean, I'm not right. criticizing I mean, it. And, and, 
And that's the thing about ghetto. It's like the long term stories are, are are so in place, and it's and it's and it's beautiful in a way. Because, what do I always say? In ghetto, we trust. Right. Exactly. And 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 he's you know I, I mean it's clear that when it comes to like Okada Tanahashi that there is a, a long term plan and has been for those two. Yep. Um and, and and you know same thing with like Omega Okada. I, you know I, well, the, I I'm the beautiful thing I've seen the last of them. And how many times have we said it? And I was talking to a guy at work who watches New Japan. It's logical booking. Yeah. And they follow logic, and wins and losses matter, and who pins who matters. Now, in the WWF, you don't get, or WWF, listen, WWE, you don't get that. But, yeah. I mean, a lot of that is a, a byproduct of the fact that they have to do so much TV that, that they have to fill, where right. Japan doesn't. But, I mean, even when you watch, like, I don't, like a six-man tag match will get you excited in New Japan. If you turn on Raw and there's going to be a six-man tag match, you're like, ugh. Yeah. Who cares? Or if there's right. a title match because you know it's going to end in some kind of a schmaz or it's going to be you know some some bullshit. The, or, you know, but the crazy thing about that is though, is I gotta say, I gotta say, like with last Monday um, with Balor and Rollins, they put on this great match, and Balor gets beat, and I think that the smart money. Which who knows? I'm not well, trying to say. Usually, the I guy who anything. gets lost or the beatdown before the pay per view is going to be the guy who wins. Right. So the smart money is that Balor takes the title on Sunday, but how does that make any sense? You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where it's just sort of like I get it. Well, when does WWE how... booking made sense? Well, yeah, there you have it. Um, so anyway. <laughs> oh, and the other thing I and and it happened in this match and it's not a thing about this match but I hate this is one of my biggest pet peeves in professional wrestling at every mm-hmm. level in every company I hate when a guy gets hit with an opponent's finisher but since he's not going to take the the pinfall somehow knows to roll out of the ring Do you know what I mean like they'll hit a guy and I forget who it was in this match I think Juice hit somebody with pulp friction He did yeah and uh 9 times out of 10 I think it was Yoshihashi, maybe nine times out of ten, the person gets the pin. But because it's a six-man tag, all of a sudden they're smart enough to roll out of the ring. That drives me insane. <laughs> like it would I make think... a lot more sense if if you hit the mat, the, the move goes for the pin, and somebody jumps in to break the pin up. Why yeah, does all I... of a sudden? And 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 I'm not belittling this match. I mean, they, but you see this constantly. I Just... think that the well, I think that the thing with New Japan is that. We see people roll out so often, and I love it personally. I think that it's you know when you when you look at it like a shoot, and and somebody is 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 beating you down, you're gonna go take a little breather. No, I got, agree. You got a twenty I totally count. Agree, you but got, when you know, you're, what I'm saying specific to the finisher, sure. like he'll hit pulp friction on ten guys, and they're dead in the middle of the ring. He gets the pen, the the pin, but because right. it's a six man tag, all of a sudden, and they'll do it in the middle of the ring. The guy rolls halfway across the ring to get out of it. <laughs> now you're not you're not wrong you're not wrong i mean i think it's a, that is a really good point um but i think it's also just kind of one of those things where again if we're gonna be nitpicky not that that i mean that's what you're doing not but, nitpicking and, this and, match just nitpicking that situation right. that happens a lot and and i think that, that, and i think that, that it holds water you know what i mean that that is that is a valid criticism because you do see it in, in new japan a lot and you do see it during these six mans and you see it during you know um, and yeah, you know, a lot of their multi-man tags, stuff like that, will happen. Like I would rather him do the move close to the ropes, and the person can get their foot on the rope or something to break the sure. count instead yeah. of rolling halfway across the ring. Um, one other thing I did like from this is Don Callis had my favorite line of the night during this match oh, yeah. when he called Tanahashi across between the Beetle and the Von Erichs. 
I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, I did. I did catch that. Yeah, that for was some great. reason that just struck me funny. Yeah. Um, so next up, we've got uh, Suzuki Goon, represented by one of my favorite wrestlers, uh, Minoru Suzuki, uh, and then the uh, Killer Elite Squad, Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer, uh, taking on Los Ingobernables de Japón, uh, Tetsuya Naito, Evil, and Sonata. All right. Can um, I just say that? Just my my general overall feeling on this is Tetsuo Naito's cool as shit. Yeah. Or yeah, like without is. looking at anything else, he's just cool. The way his character is and like the mannerisms, like when he wouldn't even look at Suzuki. I mean, it's brilliant. It's mm-hmm. just brilliant. And, and the post match, the post match of this match was the the huge selling point as far as I'm concerned. Well, if you watch them, if you go on YouTube or on um, New Japan World, they have the. Uh, the, where they do the press conference, like the, the mm-hmm. interviews in, in subtitles, they put that there and subtitled what they were saying. Oh, that's awesome. Which is great. I, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm so behind. Like, so this week has been crazy for me, but I, I'll have to go check that out. I don't remember exactly what he was saying, but it was like basically he was calling himself the king of wrestling, Suzuki. And uh, ta- he was calling him because Naito was laying in the ring. Yeah. He was calling him a scum, like a scum and a punk, and he should be down on his knees and stuff like that. So it was, it yes. was you know, yeah, it was good. Um, the first note I have for this too, when we were just talking about it, is I love the build between these two. This yeah. is where you see the difference between New Japan and WWE. If this was yep. WWE, they would have already wrestled three times during the week on t- TV and in the next pay per view. This is going to be a slow build. I mean, wrestling Dataku is coming up, and they're not wrestling singles matches. Yeah, they're going to hold off and get this on Dominion or something. Yep, and it's brilliant. And the other thing is, is that this match. Is, is, is a perfect example of New Japan booking because not only do you have the Suzuki and Naito stuff, but you also have the, the Killer Elite Squad and Evil and Sonata stuff. And oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's... You're setting up two different matches for two different championships with, you know, six of, of your big stars. Um, and it's 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 brilliant, and it's not. And again, the other thing, the point that you just mentioned too, is it's a slow burn. This yeah. is not the we're setting everything up, and now we're going to go pay it off a week later. Well, yeah, because is, I mean, Evil and Sonata aren't wrestling KES on the on either night of Dantaku. They're all yeah. doing multi man tags to keep building this up. Where if this was another company, I mean, they would have already pulled the gun on it. Right. You know? But yeah. um, uh, you know, here's a question for you, and this is another yeah. thing that drives me nuts. What is up with with Davy Boy Smith Jr.'s ring of tire? Okay, like some it seems like when he wrestles with Archer, he comes out in the jeans. Yeah. But then sometimes he comes out in like the white tights, but they're down to his knees with the like, and then he's wearing these like little black trunks. Like yeah. it seems like he has no idea what his character should be. I, you know that is a good question. I, I I've wondered that myself because you're right. I mean, he went from he went from the jeans, you know, uh, with Archer, and now he's yeah, now he's wearing the you know the the small trunks, and I, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, I mean, maybe that's part of the gimmick right there. You know, is that is that he he wrestles in anything? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Um, did you see but the how, when Lance but, Archer but made the kid cry? Yeah. Oh, my God. That was, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, having having seen him uh, in person, like, I, I, I saw grown women that were intimidated and scared of his entrance. Like, not scared necessarily, but certainly like, please don't spit water on me. Please don't come near me. Please don't, you know what I mean? Like, he's he has got an intimidating presence. And here's a crazy thing for me. I, I looked at him and... 
this is in no way what I would do or want them to do, but it was just one of those crazy thoughts that popped into my brain. I was watching, when I'm watching Strong Style Evolved and he walked the top rope, there was a part of me that looked at that and I was like, huh, WWE wanted to, you know, create a new Undertaker. Like, you know, just pass the gimmick on to somebody. Like, that's not a bad choice. No, no, it's not. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Like, uh, I, how, how about the athleticism of Sonata? Oh, yeah. I He's mean, so good. He's like he is just incredibly good, and I I I, w- I would say I would argue that there is like a missing piece with him, and it's one of those things where it's like, will he ever fill in that blank? But if he does, like he's I, I mean he's he's IWGB. Yeah, and I don't think know? he needs. They don't think they need to try to push it real quick because no. he's in a perfect situation. And and when they did give him the uh, match against Okada, they finally mm-hmm. had him talk a little bit, but they didn't like you know try to change who he is. He can slowly build into something. And he's young. People yeah. don't realize like how, how young he is, you know. The crazy thing about him is that in a lot of ways, and this is no disrespect to one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, but he's like a modern, slightly better version. Crisper maybe is the right word, not better because he doesn't have all the psychology, but crisper version of the great Muda. Like, yeah, the, the potential's I mean, there. And, and he, I mean, and that's where he got his inspiration. That's, you know, one of the people that trained him. That's, you know what I mean? So it's, it's well, that's why did you notice supposed to be there? But. I don't know if he's doing it as an honor or whatever, but Muda's getting his knee surgery done. And yeah. now Sonata in his singles matches are doing the moonsault. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly why he started doing it. Yeah. But that, and then and it was, I mean, that match at 11 minutes and 24 seconds, I thought was short. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, but I think it was one of those things that it, it had a mission, it accomplished it, and they didn't need to overstay their welcome, so why not? I think that, you know, the, the KES getting the pin on, on Evil was perfect. I think that, uh, it, it, you know, it made sense, and, and then the, the post-match shenanigans between Naito and Suzuki was, was perfect, and you didn't need to do much more than that. Um, and, and it got me pumped. You know, I, I want to see the tag team match. I mean, we've seen it before, but I want to see it again. I want to see, you know, Naito and Suzuki for that belt. I, I think that it was... Yeah, there's so many, so many good matches that are going to come out of this and it's just so well done well that was like in the in the post-match too naito was talking about how he could care less about the intercontinental title he just wants to take it from um suzuki because it's his treasure he he did say to suzuki in the match like when he was talking to him from in the ring he talked about the ic title and basically said it was cool it was a cooler title when i was throwing it on the ground yeah so yeah He's just so over. He really is. He really, really is. And when I and I got to see him uh, not too long ago um, here here in Chicago, and uh, I mean, it was probably probably the biggest reaction that that I've experienced at an AAW show. Um, it was yeah, it was pretty pretty incredible. But now we get into the real meat and potatoes of the show, the final four matches. Um, let me just say to the sixth match, which was El Desperado and Kanemaru from Suzuki Gun against Los Angavanables team of Bushi and Hiromu versus Roppongi 3K might have been one of my favorite matches of the night. Um, Interesting. It, it, you know, I think it could have went longer. It was only 12 minutes yeah. and 45 seconds. But I, I just look at, and I think all three of these teams are great. I, yeah. I look at the El Desperado Kanemaru team. I just think they're so technically sound in what they do. Absolutely. Um, yeah, without a doubt. And you know they 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 fill their roles perfect the the rule breakers because I want to I want to think too Desperado got the win I don't think he was the legal man I think that was part of the story too I don't think he was legal when he made the pin yeah, and, and then Kelly made a point of that <laughs> and when they did their po- yeah he even said the ref has no idea at this point when he yeah. did when they did their little post uh, after match after match thing 
they, the first thing they did, they said was, hey, we follow the rules. That's all we do is follow the rules. Like, they were, like, playing it off. But yeah. um, I really like the team of Bushi and Aromu together. Oh, and, yeah. And there's nothing to not like. I mean, what can you not like about Rapongi 3K? Show and Yo are so great. I mean, I mean they the were great is... when they were in Ring of Honor. What were they, the Tempora boys? Yeah. I mean, yeah. but, you know, it's just, I can't, there's nothing I can nitpick about this match. No. Except that maybe I wish it went a little longer. Yep. I would agree. I mean, I think that, you know, Sho and Yo are clearly the future of that division. And I don't just mean as a tag team. I mean that one of those guys or both of those guys will eventually be junior heavyweight champion as well. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, they're both so good and they're so much fun to watch and they bring so much energy and personality. And that's the thing that's that's so cool about them that it's not just a case of like, oh, those guys are really good in the ring. Like, there's more to it than that, and it's and it's cool to see. And of course, you know, I mean, it doesn't hurt that they're getting the rub from Rocky, and you know what I mean? Like, because Rocky's really respected over there, and he's yeah, another one of the. But the, the, I think Rocky does a good job in that role too, because I think he does enough, but he doesn't overshadow the team at all. No, no, without a doubt, no. And he's and he and he's and, you know he's happy to take bumps and and you know and and, and have the other guys beat up on him. And uh, I mean, he's clearly a team player, and they yeah. clearly love him over there. And, and I, I and I like because they're associated with him, it puts them in chaos, and it's a good little spot for them. Like they made sure yeah. that Yo was out there drinking, like toasting a beer with with Okada. Um, you know, it was one of my I, I talked about one of my favorite lines of the night being that line about the Beatles and the Von Erichs. Yeah. I I was uh, dying laughing. Did you hear Don Callis when they said that Daryl's on excursion? Yeah, Daryl's on excursion. <laughs> I just so good, so uh, so well done. But yeah. I mean, obviously Suzuki Gun kept the, the titles, which I think yeah. is, is a good thing for now. Yeah. Um, there's so much they can do with these teams now if they pair them off. In, in you know one team versus another instead of a three way you can go so many different ways with this. Uh, the only thing is, I think over the course of the year you're going to see the, the the title hot potato a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, it always has. I mean, you've had you've had a couple of teams hold it for a long time, including like the Young Bucks. Well, that's and, just uh, one Red of those Dragon, titles. That but that, but for the most part, yeah, it's like a sixty day. You well, know what I mean? Like, yeah, that last. title hot potatoes a lot. The uh, the six man type. Usually, the junior title te- uh, pops around a lot, but I have a feeling that's going to change for a little while. Which yeah, gets maybe. us into our next match. I, I think they're going to, like, not that I'm trying to jump ahead. I guess we're kind of on to the next match anyway. Yeah. The Osprey-Marty Skrull Osprey, match. Osprey-Marty Skrull, which I'm I, sure that anyone who's listening right now has probably seen or heard about because of obvious reasons. Well, yeah, Osprey got busted wide open, and it was his own doing. But yeah. um, I have a feeling, because they're going to try to build him up, that he's going to keep the belt for a little while. I mean, anybody, if you didn't see the show... Um, I'm not going to say spoilers because, or warn you because at this point we're spoiling everything. But oh, um, he uh, called out Kushida because yeah. he said he's the only person that he hasn't beat yet. And that, like, well, he beat him once, but he lost four times or whatever. I think they're going to keep the belt on Osprey for a while. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it'll be like a year or whatever, but I think they'll keep it on him for a while. It's, it's weird because I will say, I, like, especially when you put it that way, you talk about the fact that Kushida has all those wins over him. Um, I, I I I think you're right, but there is a part of me that looks at Kushida and says, you know, here's here's a homegrown talent. He's 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 one of the greatest wrestlers on the face of the planet. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't destroy Will Ospreay, and it would not hurt the division at all if Kushida were to win the title back. No, I uh, I don't think it would Kushida either. I don't need it. But, well, there's so yeah. many guys. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt them if Kushida won it. It wouldn't hurt him if Hiromu had it. It wouldn't hurt him if Marty had it. But I just think that. 
I think they're going to try to build Osprey up for a little bit here. I think yeah. they're going to have him beat Kushida and hold on to the belt for a while. Well, at least, I mean, you he know. practically killed himself, so I would like to think that they would be very loyal well, to I li- him. I, I, <laughs> liked, I liked that move to begin with, the one-man Spanish fly, but the way they did it off the apron was sick. And you yeah. know what? Like They showed the replay, and you see his head hit. You're like, oh, my God, he's lucky he didn't break his neck. Exactly. Then when he got up and there was blood pouring out of him. Um, there was a couple other cool moves. Like he did that power bomb into a Robinson special, which was cool. Yeah. Um, he did this thing where I don't know if you noticed, but he did a flipping from the ropes to to um, off the turnbuckle, and he did it into like a rude awakening, which was pretty ne- neat. You know, he yeah. does so many neat moves that you can't really like you know list them all. But you know, and I thought well, that was a solid match for Marty. I really did. I thought Marty. I was just, just getting ready to say that, yeah, because you were talking about Osprey. I want to talk about Marty. Like the great thing about this is that Marty Skrull is is is. I mean, clearly he's one of the best in the world today. Uh, and there were things that he did in this match and the way that he decided to do them that were completely different from the last like three matches. Oh, I agree. How about after he, after the, the, how about after the, after he got busted open when he just did that one little stretch where he just stomped him right where he was busted open over and over again. It was, uh, yeah, that was one of the best, that was one of the best spots in the match. And And I was shocked too, because like, I mean, that match went 30 minutes. Yeah. That's a long time for a match that's third from the top. And it's, you know, and the thing, and the incredible thing is, is how long it went after Will Ospreay hit his head. And yeah. the doctor's checking on it. You know, I mean, everybody's clearly worried about him. Excuse me. But the thing that was incredible about it is that, you know, neither one of those guys missed a beat. And, and that shows a couple of things, you know, professionalism and trust that Osprey thought that he was good enough to continue. Skrull trusted him that that was the case, and they continued that match. And there was never a moment where you watched Marty Skrull and thought, oh, he's trying to be safe now, or he's always doing this, or he's doing that. They they wrestled that match the way they would have wrestled that match had Osprey you know, wiped out or not. Yeah, um, I and I want to say real quick, just, just to throw in you know two cents into the debate and the conversation, I never want to see anybody get hurt. I never want to see people take you know, what some people are calling unnecessary chances. But I think that a lot of people would say, anytime you step into that ring, you're taking an unnecessary chance. And I have enough respect and confidence and faith in a guy like Will Ospreay to say, he he did what he wanted to do. No, I and agree. Had, had, he, had, you know, had he broken his neck in that match and been stretchered out, it would have been horrible. It would have been a travesty. But it would not have kept me from watching or appreciating that match because the fact is, is before that spot even, they they were having a hell of a match. I mean, oh, some I agree. People are saying it's, some people are saying it's the best match of the year so far. I don't agree with that. I still think that the NXT, you know, Almas Gargano match oh, is, is match the match of the was. year so far. But that said, it's it's up there without a doubt. And and I think that, you know, the fact that Will Ospreay is going to wrestle this weekend, he's got like eight matches for me. But don't weekend. you think, I mean, I, mean, I mean, how much longer can he keep this style up the way he does and have a career? Like, I, I'm not ragging on him. Maybe he can do it no. for, but like, and I don't know if they're unnecessary risks because who am I to say? And, right. you know, some of those things that people might deem unnecessary are some of the things that got him over in the first place. Sure. But I just, you know, I, I just fear long term. And it's not just him. A bunch of these guys in the junior division, I you know, they got to think long term a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, you look at somebody like Liger, for instance. Uh, that guy's 50, well, 53 years old. and Well, he's the anomaly, though. Well, sure. Um, but but uh, he also was, you know, to be fair, was not doing, you know, some of the things that, that Will Ospreay's doing. I, I think that, yeah, I mean, Ospreay at some point will have to change his style without a doubt. I, I've, you know, I've heard 
I, I've read some stuff that, that people say that he wants to retire by the time he's 30 anyway, or that he plans on, you know, changing his style when he's 30 or something like that. Well, we but, both have enough enough faith in him to know what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. And I think, it'll, you know, one of the things that will be interesting is to see how he does wrestle this weekend. You know, if he goes out there and he's like full tilt like he was uh, at, at Genesis, I'm going to be like, wow. I, I mean, that's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. But if he thinks he can do it, then he can do it. But if he goes out there and, you know, he, he pulls back maybe a little bit or he wrestles a different style, because it's the thing, he's talented enough to do that. It's not like the only thing he knows how to do is the flippy shit. You know what I mean? Like, he's talented enough to wrestle a ground match. He's talented enough to, to do, you know, exchange strikes. And, you know, he doesn't have to do all of that stuff. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does this weekend. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but just overall, I mean, it was, it was a great match. If you're, if you're going to watch the card, like if you're going to throw this on and there's matches you're going to skip over, please do yourself a, a service and don't skip this. I mean, I would say once you get to the Suzuki gun, uh, LIJ match, watch the rest of the card. Yeah. Uh, not that I would recommend skipping over any match, but don't, don't miss this one. No, definitely not. There's some great stuff in it. There's that chicken wing spot that, you know, they've done before, but obviously because of the shape that Osprey was in when they did it, it was like watching that match. There was a moment when I just was thought, you know, thinking, like, Skrull's going to win the title again. Yeah, and, the, um, and, and the blood yeah. played into it. I know it wasn't intentional, yeah. but the blood played into it. That's true, you know, and speaking of which, yeah, speaking uh, of you know, blood. There, was, there was more hard way juice than just that. And we should mention earlier, actually, that Tamatanga got busted open oh, over the eyebrow as well. But. When, in their post-match interview, right, mm-hmm. they were talking about Elgin and, and Taguchi and them, and uh, Tamatanga said, one of you guys need to cut your fingernails. Oh. <laughs> it was real funny. That is priceless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so next we've got Bullet Club represented by Cody and Hangman Page against the Golden Lovers. Um, this match was another just stellar example of storytelling. You've got arguably the most overheel in the business in Cody. Um, you've got one of the, I don't want to say underrated because he's come into his own so much, but one of the more you know underrated previously talents in Hangman Page. You've got two of the best in the world in Kenny Omega and Koto Ibushi. They told a great story. They had a kick-ass match. I loved in the story, and, and the announcers did a good job of making a point that one of the ways that Ken, Cody can get to Kenny is to hurt Abushi. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Uh, the first thing I want to say is I want Cody's shirt. Oh. Okay, that is the most ridiculously, like, most ridiculous and funny shirt. Like, I don't know if that's a wolf or a, a, a tiger or whatever he's got, but that is hilarious. I love that shirt, too, actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I, I think I did. I text you. I might have texted you. You did. I saw that shirt. So yeah, you did. Um, how about um, how about the heat Cody has with the crowd over there? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. He's and one of the most like he's one of the best heels working today. His, his in ring work is what it is, and I'm not gonna say it's bad. I mean, obviously he's a, he's a great wrestler. I don't think he's on the level of these other guys yet, but his character work, yeah, is second to none. Just like the, the facial expressions and the way he does things, and you know. Well, um, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to say too much because I think that they are very different in a lot of ways. But you kind of look at where he came from. I mean, his dad was kind of the same way. It's not like his oh, dad yeah. was ever the best worker, but that character, the facial expression. Well, there's an old the saying you could draw from the crowd. You know, there's an old saying: you plant corn, you get corn. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like <laughs> right, you're right. talking, and look at his brother. See what you yeah. want. His character work is is gold dust. Is legendary. Yeah. So yeah, without a doubt. Um, I do love the fact that like 
the, the Golden Lovers do moves that are named after wrestling or uh, video game stuff. Like oh, the, yeah. the cross slash, when they do that, that's from Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Um, just some of the stuff they did. How about when um, Cody... Omega's got a few a few moves named oh, after yeah. the video game. Yeah. When Cody threw the chair right into Kenny's face. Did you catch that part? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wicked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was some... Oh, how about when they did the, uh, the body slams, though, onto the unopened table on the floor? Oh, yes. No, though, yeah, those were... Huh, those that were has to brutal. hurt, right? Because oh, yeah. Because there's no, like... I mean, look at look at what happened to, to to Kenny when he got thrown through the table later on in the match, and his back was all bleeding. And yeah, you know. I did think it was a nice touch when they had the Young Bucks come out when Cody was going to go off the top rope to the table. Yeah, you know, and it plays in, especially when you watch this the the newest being the Elite, it kind of plays into that. Yeah, um, well, it's, I mean, they are they're, they're telling such a great story, and I think that you know while the entire Bullet Club is involved, let's face it, our four main players are Cody, Kenny, and the Bucks, and yeah. and a lot of it has to do with are the Young Bucks with Cody or are they with Omega? You know, is Cody trying to woo them away from Kenny Omega? Is Kenny Omega turning his back on them because of Ibushi? Like the story is so clear, and 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 yet convoluted enough to be a wrestling story. It's a great, line. yeah, it's, because it's, we don't know exactly where this is going to go. You know? Yeah. Um, and then speaking of blood, I mean, Cody got busted open pretty solid yeah. above his eye. Did you happen to see the whole Twitter exchange like uh, with Disco Inferno? Oh, yeah. I thought it was, I thought I, it was hilarious. I, I'm going to read it just in case for anybody who doesn't didn't hear it. Um, obviously, if you have been watching wrestling a long time, you know who the Disco Inferno is. If you don't, he was a glorified jobber in WCW. They just happened to get himself somehow into a pretty decent spot in the card. Um after that, he put, quote, nobody knows how to work anymore. They would rather kill each other to get uh, Dave Meltzer to put their match over. That is a problem that needs to be put front and center. Guys are going to keep getting hurt. Cody's response was great. He put, stop, you know nothing. You've drawn zero dollars. No, <laughs> no fan has ever left a show thinking about you. You were lucky to be a juiced-up double lifer over with the boys type in an era where you hid in plain sight, coasting on other success. Couldn't hang then, can't get booked now. Yeah, just great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I love that Cody, and I think that part of it is you know not being in WWE anymore. The shackles are clearly off, but like Cody has no problem taking somebody down, um, no. and and you know, not even taking someone down. I, I think that you know takedowns are. Horrible and it's funny thing. he's 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 usually just given as good as he gets, yeah. and, and and quite frankly, he's usually. He's got the right ammunition, you know. These oh, other yeah. people are, it's, you know. And he comes across as such a Come like. On. He comes across as such a dick. And I'll tell you, like when we went to that one meet and greet, me and my son, and got to meet yeah. him, you couldn't have asked for a nicer guy. He was so yeah. nice to my son. He was just down to earth. We were. He was laughing and joking with us. He made sure he took enough time to get like the, the a nice picture with my with us and everything. It was great. Yeah, you know? he was awesome when I when I got to meet him as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so. he was super nice. We actually talked about tattoos because you know he got the dream tattoo for his yeah. dad, and I got a tattoo for my mom, and you know, we just, talked briefly about that. He's he's he, he's great, and I'm I, just real happy for him because you know what? Me too. He, he he took a chance on himself. Yeah, like, and he's proven the point. Like, he's making more money and more exposure outside of WWE. He and and now if he ever goes back, he's in a much better position. Yeah, like he's oh uh, yeah, you know. But and Without I think I think that the right team did win the match, and I think that the right guy went over the right guy as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the fact and he did that, it skeezy, like he had the handful of trunks. Yeah, 
or tights or whatever. How about and I love that they're continuing that co- the, the, that uh, Cody and, and Ibushi uh, uh, sort of rivalry because in some ways I felt like it kind of got pushed a little bit to the back burner there. But you know now mm. with a match like this, you bring it back front and center, well, especially uh, like because it goes back to the Wrestle Kingdom match when he yeah. was yelling at him, "He loves me more than you" and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, it was such a, how about the move where Omega picked him up for a power bomb? It, they turned it from a power oh, bomb into yeah. a germ a German suplex. That was awesome. Yeah, I I, I really like that. I mean, the the the, uh, the the offense that those two guys have is is just so innovative, anyways. And you know, Ibushi is 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 seriously pretty remarkable uh, uh, in the ring, and, and the two of them together. I mean, they just do such. Cool stuff, you know. Yeah, no, um, it was, it was I mean, really the, the well triangle, done. you know, the triangle moonsault, stereo triangle moonsault that they do is, you know, is always fun to watch. The, you know, you cannot escape, you know, move that they're doing. I mean, it's yeah, there's so much good stuff. That How those about guys at do. the Strong Style Evolve show? I'd love to know. Did they almost botch that that um, superplex, the double superplex? Because it looked like when they picked Matt Jackson up, they were about to drop him, and they both stepped forward onto the turnbuckle thing to push back. I don't know if you saw that or not. Yeah, that might be because it, actually that wasn't the only one. Um, there was also they 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 also botched the double triangle moonsault. Well, yeah, that's they, where they yeah yeah. But 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 you know there's I can't remember exactly when it was now. Um, but clearly, you know, Abushi got bonked on the head, so he was a little out of it at some point. Uh, uh, you know, Omega got busted up a little bit, so he was a little out of it at one point too. So I mean, which is a testament to the quality of that match anyway that the two of them weren't necessarily at a hundred percent. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in this match, they were, you know, they were great. And, 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 I mean, all four of those guys were, too. I mean, Cody was great in this match. There's no doubt about it. I mean, and that's the other thing. To see somebody like Cody, who, you know, was was really good in WWE. And, and by WWE standards, you always looked at him as like, oh, this guy is, is one of the more talented guys on the roster. And then, you know, you look at him on the indies and you look at him in, in New Japan. Sam, and it's a little bit of a different story. I went to the Money in the Bank pay-per-view a couple years yeah. ago. It was the one, I can't remember the year, it was the year the Randy Orton won. Orton won, yeah. Okay. If the first match on the card was the ladder match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, Cody was the most over guy in that match with that yeah. crowd. He might have been one of the most over guys all night. And that was the one where he was just about to win it and Sandow pushed him off. Yeah. But, I mean, the people loved Cody and they wanted him to get a fair shake and get a push and it just... Like, I don't blame him for leaving after the, what they did to him with the whole Stardust thing. No. No, and he and both he and his brother got, you know, sh- uh, short-shrifted on the on the whole feud between the two of them. I mean, those guys, those guys, you know, clearly could have torn the house down and, 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 and instead... When they put them just, together, yeah. when they won, like, had that little mini feud where they had to get their jobs back and then won the tag belts off the shield, I mean, they were killing it. Yeah, absolutely. But and getting the opportunity just... to see him, you see the two of them with Dusty and taking on the shield. I mean, that was... Yeah, just, like, it was, was fantastic. Some, yeah. yeah. But, I know, I, I know, but 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 he is. But the thing, the point I was going to make is that the, to see him get better, which he has absolutely done. Like I would say, he is better now even than he was six months ago. Oh yeah. Um, and and you know when you sur- obviously when you surround yourself with talent like this, it's hard not to. He um, might have had the most heat of anybody on the with the crowd as, of anybody on the card. Yeah. I mean, they hate him. Yep. Which is great. That means he's doing his job. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the things, you know, I mean, like uh, listening to Dave Meltzer talk about him or write about him, you know, it's true. I mean, he's he's probably one of the best heels in the business right now. Yeah. Well, that leaves us one more match, correct? A main event. Yeah. Uh, we've got Okada and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Wow. Yeah. 
I, I love, I have loved Zack Sabre Jr. for a long time. I've gotten to see him live uh, at Evolve shows and AAW shows. And, uh, you know, first of all, again, you know, not to say this about every guy that we talk about that we happen to meet in person. I guess we've just been lucky, but super nice. And seeing him with kids in particular, the guy is like, is just amazing. I saw him like, you know, giving free merchandise to kids, you know, taking extra pictures with the kids. Like just, he's, he's so cool. And, and I love the style of wrestling that, that he brings to the table. I heard somebody say something, and this is just, you know, a fan, which I mean, we are too. I'm not trying to put us above any, any, no, we're just fan fans. Or we're just fans, but yeah, we're, we're but just like, fans I, that decided to record our normal conversations. Right. But, but I, I read some fans comments and, and, and people were agreeing with them on Reddit about Zack Sabre Jr. Not being able to like bump or sell for shit. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Do you even know what you're talking about? Because Zack Sabre Jr. takes a bump like nobody else, and that's yeah. a good thing. He sells like nobody else, and that's a good thing. And 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 the thing is, is that with the the tear that he's been on in New Japan, he has been given the opportunity to force other people to wrestle his style of match, and it has made for some super interesting stuff. I mean, the, the stuff with Tanahashi, you know, the the stuff in this match. I mean, it's just yeah. stuff with Naito. Well, first of all, I mean, I mean, look oh. at the list of who he who he beat in the New Japan Cup. Yeah, I mean, and he tapped. Out, he made them all tap out, and, and really, if they weren't in the middle of this historic run for Okada. It was just a regular title run. It wouldn't have even shocked me if they gave him the belt. Nah, but me given what was going on, um, you know, what? I'm gonna be honest. Like when the match first started, like the first like couple, like maybe seven, eight minutes, I'm like, ugh, I don't know, because it started slow. But holy god, when it picked up, yeah, and and he yeah. makes like, like like chain wrestling moves look amazing. Because and and credit to the people he's worked with you know, throughout this whole little run because yeah. they make it look like they are in agony. The transitions that he does, you know, going from hold to hold and, and the way that everything makes sense. Sam, it's just like even so the small snug. stuff, like he'll have him in an arm thing when he just like kind of grinds his elbow into the guy's yeah. back or he like takes his knuckles and does something like just small little things. He's not just holding the move in one spot. Like when he does those moves, where then he like, when he hooks the guy's leg behind his head, and stuff. Right. Holy God! I know, and it's and it's so great because it's like I think that you know you look at at anything, whether it's film, television, video games, uh, uh, any any art form, uh, which wrestling is an art form, and it's always about you know evolution and, and progress. And to see what he see, to see him take basically what people were doing fifty, sixty, seventy. 80 years ago in wrestling rings and make it work today by having those transition spots that he does by adding in those little extra flares by knowing what looks good on TV by doing I mean there's no doubt that the guy is a freaking genius when it comes to that stuff and again that's not to discount who he's working with the people that he's working with are, are obviously selling this stuff and you know working with him and I think Okada in a lot of ways and I don't necessarily know, I mean, sure, Okada's the best in the world, whatever, but I don't necessarily know that you would have picked Okada to be the guy that would mesh the best with him. But even after, you know, Abushi, Naito, Sonata, Tanahashi, like, Okada meshed with him better than any of those guys. Yeah, I agree. And the stuff that they did together, I mean, the dropkick spot, oh my god. Like, that was freaking beautiful. The way that, that Okada ended up performing those Rainmakers, um, 
those tombstones. I mean, it was just it was it was a great match. And the funny thing is, is like as I'm talking about it, I'm falling in love with the match even more than I was before. <laughs> no, it, it's an unbelievable match, and it's it's different than what you see. Yeah. I mean, it's it's different than everything else, and, and it was just so well done. And you know, like I love the fact too that. At no point in this run, even though he had Taka with them, did they ever resort to chicanery. Yes. Like, they let it be what it was. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, and I love the fact that let's get after the match, you know, Tanahashi came out, and they're going to have that, you know, be his 12th uh, title defense if he, if he wins. There's yeah. just so many good things about this. I, I, You know, there's not enough. Overall, I just thought it was a very solid show. It set up everything beautifully going forward. There was nothing here that, like, there, there's, a, you know, matches I liked more than others, but there was nothing here that jumped out as a, being terrible or, a, you know, it is what it is. But Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. I thought it was a really good show, um, and I think it kind of just continues the, the tear that New Japan's been on. I, I mean, I, I don't know that any, you know, certainly televised, modern televised promotion has ever been on such a lengthy run of great shows. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a couple here and there that you might kind of look at and be like, eh, whatever. But for the most part, their big shows have delivered and, and their tournaments have delivered and these, you know, U.S. spot shows have delivered in ways that no other promotion has even come close to delivering. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that's remarkable about this match or worth noting is that Zack Sabre Jr. lost the match. But he comes out of this match looking stronger than he did before that match. No, oh, I agree. And that is is something. And, and, and I mean, and he, he's you know he's a made guy now. And whether that means that you know, and the great thing is, is he's set up in such a way that like he could uh, he could literally find himself challenging for any of those other belts. You know, whether if, if Naito beats Suzuki, he's got a ready claim to say, hey, I beat you, Naito. I'm going to challenge you for that Intercontinental belt. You know, so so it's it's a great way to, to end that card and to leave your champion super strong going in to look for that record-breaking defense against Tanahashi. And it's an amazing way in order to have Zack Sabre Jr. come out looking strong like he could challenge for, for any belt and any guy in the promotion. Yeah, I agree. So there we have it. Um, I'm sure next week we will be talking some WrestleMania and NXT, even though that's not really, you know, our thing. It is still pro wrestling. So yeah, and I think that one of the things that we want to do here with the King of Pro Wrestling podcast is spotlight New Japan, but we're going to talk about more stuff than that. Yeah, because we're wrestling I mean, fans at the end yeah, of the day. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that that's about all I have. Yeah. That's, oh, that's you know what? I do. I, I do want to thank um the band The Hales, yes. who I. Was they were gracious enough to allow us to use one of their songs? Um, if you like it, you can go over to iTunes and, and just type in. They just put out an album out. It's The Hales, H A I L S. Um, can't thank them enough. And uh, hopefully, we'll be back next week. I think things went pretty well for our first show. Yeah, absolutely. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this. It's. You know, again, we're just two guys that are passionate about wrestling that want to talk about it, and, and hopefully you'll enjoy our conversations. Uh, and certainly, you know, we we would love to have your feedback. Uh, so well, why don't us... you you want to tell them about, well, we have a Twitter and an email and a Facebook now? 
Yes, we do. We've got all those things. Uh, so we're on Twitter uh, as uh, KOPW72, uh, and you can also find us on Facebook at King of Pro Wrestling uh, or also KOPW72. Um, and then uh, you can email us as well at kingofprowrestling72 at gmail.com. Uh, check out the, uh, the show bumpers, the, the yeah. intro and the outro for more info. Yeah, if you like the show just or, or there's things you want to see or, or, or anything, you know, just send us an email, send us a tweet, whatever. You know, we're, we're just fans. So, you know, there's, there's things we're going to get better at. There's things that we're going to do in the future. But, you know, I think a, a pretty solid start. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Man, PJ, thank you so much. This has been fun. I look forward to next time around. I do too. Um, but we might as well sign off uh, and let people go about the rest of their day. Cue up that next podcast they're going to listen to. Oh, beautiful. Uh, and uh, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time.